Bring bring the mic like a bit, like kind of just below your mouth. Yeah, and that's like that's the good spot to be. And then yeah. I normally put my I was just looking at Sims, but Sims is making, norm- making ant with that. Thing. I know. No, that's yeah. how I normally do it. I normally put my lips on the little fruffy fruffy bit. <laughs> oh, I can day. hear that every time. <laughs> it's like an extra dimension. I'm gonna have to try not to call you Sims during this. You can right? go with Sims. That's right. fine. You just have to explain it to, to our audience. What is, yeah, give, can you give yeah, context I'll on that? I've never actually heard this. I've only ever heard it from we going? Steve. We're going. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, we're going. So this is context as to why he's called Sims or yeah. Sims or Sim Salabim or... Chickabree? Chickabee? Chickabrista. Not so, not so much Chickabee. He hasn't come out in a while. The reason that he's called Sims is because we used to call him Simple Steven. Yes. Which is... And I Visual Basic. And Visual Basic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, is that that computer program you used to make in like year eight? Which I don't know how... You don't know computer programming, do you? No. Well, I, I think it's know. just because Matt, our, Matt? our housemate at the time, he did programming stuff. Yeah. And he was, it was like the uni days with these, oh, yes, those nerdy that's guys. Oh, right. All the nerdy guys at uni, Matt Lab and all those We lads. wrote songs about them. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the people, oh, dude, the this, people this at university. A cracker. Have you, have any of you, you guys go to uni? Yeah, okay. So I know well, Matt went to uni, right? Yeah, well, Steve's the only person who goes to uni. That's, that's why I'm simple Steve. Steve. I, Visual basic. Yeah, yeah. I don't have tertiary <laughs> education. Did you go to university? <laughs> Did you? Okay, so common denominator for three of us, mm. university education. The people that you, when you go to university... Spend a lot of time there not talking to people. So yes. I used to spend a, long, a lot of time in the refect. I don't know if this was like this for you guys, but you just see people and you give them nicknames based upon who they are, like based upon what you see of them. So did you do that? Did you, were there like these random no. people? You've never spoken to them, but they were like, they were characters in your life. I can relate. Yeah, you did I can them. totally relate. Man, no. we, 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 used to, we used to write songs about them back <laughs> home when I lived with Steve and another guy, Matt. Um, Dirty Mo, Matt Lab and Jar Jar. Jar Jar, yeah. <laughs> Literally, there's a song that I wrote for Matt, and they they have a special special appearance. In ja- the first Jar Jar three, Binks had Jar Jar Binks as his as his wallpaper on his laptop, which is just a <laughs> terrible choice. Like, yeah. either you're, you're a Star a Wars fan and you don't have Jar Jar Binks, or you're, a, or I mean, maybe it was like extremely ironic. I suppose yeah. that's probably what it was. But anyway, yes, yeah, so it was Jar Jar. Dirty Mo speaks for itself. You had a Dirty Mo. Mm. Matt Lab like the program. Like Matt. There was a lot of others. There was a person. There was a, one person called a Twin Sachet, and it was because he would buy <laughs> this thing of chips, and every single time he'd put on two sachets of chips, and he had a ritual about putting the uh, two sachets of salt on the chips. Yeah. He had a ritual about putting the salt on. He had a certain way that he tapped it. Every day I saw this guy doing it, man. I'm like. Loves his sachets. And so what was his name? Twin sachet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twin sachets of salt. It's so yeah. good. That was heaps, man. It was Broad Hat, who had a Broad Hat, which is self-explanatory. Anyway, we don't need to talk about yeah. all these people for so long. But we, uh, let's set the scene here. We've got, we got, we've all got our, um, we're sitting here for a pretty special podcast. Uh, Diff, I've only ever met, I think we've only met once or twice. I think twice, yeah. Maybe. Um, and I've met you through Steve, obviously you're a good friend of Steve's, but uh, from what I've heard about you, and I've heard you communicate, you're obviously a very, you come across very academically intelligent, well studied. So personally, I am looking forward to this podcast for two reasons: one, because of that; two, because I have whiskey in my hand. Yeah, and we, and you got gin, and this is—I don't know—I feel like this podcast is going to go. Everyone's well, an academic with whiskey in their hand. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. well said. <laughs> my I intelligence just, I like the goes setting down, of this environment. though. Yeah, you get the impression it's going up, but it's yeah, going yeah. down. That's true. <laughs> that <laughs> kind of happened when we played 12 hours of board games the other day. Yeah, and you look, you look back at the, uh, the, at the video, video footage. and you realise the intelligence was at an all-time low. That's it was pretty good, though. It's pretty it good. And it's a Friday low. afternoon, it's raining outside, so if you hear a slight little drain tinker... what that is. Yeah. yeah. 
Thanks, office. He's a loud boy. She's a she's <laughs> she's, she's a she's a loud boy. Um, but yeah, so it's, that's the scene. It's a it's a rainy Friday afternoon with a with a whiskey and a gin, mm. and uh, it's going to be a great chat. So we've got Diff Crowther on the podcast. My best mate, best man in my wedding. We lived together for what? Three years, two and a half years. Three years. A place oh. called Devona. Mm. That was the name of it. Good Dave good and Fiona owned the house before before we bought it, so it stayed Devona. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive into, I don't know where this is going to go. I suppose it's going to talk about education. I'm, I reckon it's going to get philosophical. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of, <clears throat> a bit of pressure on the academics now that Darcy set it up like that. Oh so yeah, did that we'll intentionally. <laughs> yeah, all right, good. We'll see where we go. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not a business guy. So Although I realise after listening for a while that this isn't just a business podcast and Steve keeps telling me it's not just a business podcast because I was like... I don't have any business stuff to talk about with you guys, but I would have zero it. purpose being on the podcast as well. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's fair enough. What do you see in the podcast as you've? What do you hear in the podcast of you as you've listened so far? Yeah. What have you taken away from it? Yeah, look, I'm a first time caller, but long time fan. Like, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to every episode, some of them multiple times. I've got young kids that like to wake up in the middle of the night, and I often can't get back to sleep. And so, if I want to go oh. back to sleep, I know, mate, the soothing, love the sends, up, sends me right. <laughs> I could not sleep during Phil's. Phil just, oh, he just talked so much and it was like all about movies and stuff and so I was listening to that. So some of them are more sleep inducing for me than others but usually the business ones. Uh, what do I think is the, the common... Yeah, what, what, have do you, I think yeah what have you taken away from the podcast so far? It's an interesting thing to hear uh, when people are given license to talk without having a bunch of stuff, a bunch of boxes that they need to tick, a bunch of things that they need to get done to see how those... Um, to see what comes out, to see the kind of things that people want to talk about and the kind of things that people are comfortable talking about as well. Um, I guess that question, the pursuit of love question, uh, gets people to think maybe in a way that they don't often have the time or the opportunity to think. And so I think for that reason, even if no one listened to it, I actually would feel as though, maybe not for all of them, but for a lot of them, people on it it would be a valuable experience even just for them just to be a guest on the show absolutely <laughs> yeah that's absolutely awesome. yeah and, and it's and it's interesting it is it's interesting listening to people go through that process of thinking of being asked good questions i think that's i don't think we ask ourselves and each other good questions enough these days mm. it's easy to avoid facing up to hard questions yes so hearing people do that and doing that willingly uh, yeah, I've, I found it far more, to be honest, I found it far more interesting than I thought I would. I started listening because I'm Steve's mate and I'm like, I've got to support him and I, it was about business and I'll see see how I go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I wait for every episode now. That's, that's good stuff. That's good great guy. feedback. Thank you. Well, that's quite interesting. Like the one episode we recorded today just before you, Div, it's not on the podcast, but we asked some pretty decent challenging questions and we kind of went, we went weird for a while. And at the end of it, she's like, I don't know who I am. And yeah, it, was right. it was interesting because it was those type of questions asked where mm. she probably hasn't been asked those type of questions or at least not in the sh- recent times by the facial expressions I could see anyway. So Yeah, I feel like there was a time, I don't know how long ago it was, um, that questions like that were asked more often and more authentically. Like there were things in place in society that would mean that people were forced to ask themselves those kind of questions or have those questions asked of them. Whereas now, I think it's... it's Do you have an example? Well, I mean, I think, I think kind of uh, organisations like churches mm. or even like 
this is going to sound weird, but like scouting groups, mm-hmm. yeah. just kind of public organisations where people would go with the express purpose of being involved in a community that was going to be more than just service level. And I think the things that have taken the place of those, stuff like churches and scouting groups and, and whatever else, uh, the things that have taken the place of them are by, by default shallow, mm-hmm. especially if they're online. You know, so the, the online element, I think, means that people might feel as though they're bearing their soul to the world. But in reality, you had one episode where it was the question was, how do you know that you're being authentic, basically, online, mm. I think. And I, I don't know how that you can. I don't know how you can know that. No. Mm. Whereas it's in real relationship with real people face to face, which is I'm glad you're here. You know, I'm not looking at a screen. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that it's easier to hide. And I don't, and I think while people want to hide, there's something deep within us that wants to be known as well, and so we get caught in that tension. Anyway, we've gotten pretty deep really quickly. No, that's good. <laughs> that would be the gin. Yeah, yeah. most likely. Wait till yeah. this. Uh, wait till this nice Lafroy gets poured yeah, out. Yeah. That is right. nice scotch. I was just saying to Steve before. I'm, I'm. I enjoy scotch. I used to drink a lot more scotch. I love the taste of it. I think it's such a nice drink to hold in your hand mm. if for any other reason to have it mm. just to hold it in your hand and just smell particularly it particularly for instagram yes but this scotch like i'm not much of a what is it what do you say smoky that's how we describe it mm. i'm not much of a smoky man but man this is what's it called lafroig lafroig bit of product placement there you can yeah, yeah. Sponsor. Uh, oh, boy wouldn't that be great <laughs> every episode you just tanked by lafroig <laughs> If just only there were someone who wanted to promote on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. We've, we've made a stance though that we don't want to promote though. I would Because I think no intro. No intro, no, no intro, promotion. No outro, no promotion. People are digging it. What do you think of the no, no intro? Yeah, I, for a while I was like, uh, no, the first time I'm like, come on, boys. You're get better than get professional. Than I know what Matt's capable of. He can he can just fade down some music at the start of the thing. Yeah, and I was I was like, this is a dodgy start, but uh, it's caught on for whatever reason. And no, so the first time I was pretty critical. The second time I was like, okay, I get it, but we keep making a big deal about it. The third time it was like the intro is talking about how there's no intro, and I'm like, this is. But now I think you're just in your groove, and there's no intro, and it's yeah. okay. But yeah. now we've done it. Now we've talked yeah. about the fact that there's no <laughs> yeah. intro. So. Yeah. But yeah. it is becoming a trap. What I found, which is really smart, as a hack, because I've listened to most of the episodes myself, flying around and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll listen to my own voice. That'd be nice. Voice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fly around all the time, all through <laughs> no, Australia. Just make and sure, then I decide to listen to yeah, my own I'll voice. I make sure the person like sitting next to me can see that I'm listening to a podcast, just so <laughs> yeah. they can be like, oh, what are you listening to? Oh, it's a really good episode. Yeah, so. And then you pull out one of those headphone splitters, like, oh, you want to join <laughs> in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, hey, this sounds a lot like you. And all of a sudden, it kind of goes down from there because he realizes that's... No, that's not like, hey. That's not cool, man. Hey. Yeah, this is not cool, bro. But here's the cool part about no intro. As soon as you finished one episode it just bangs into the next one straight away so i reckon it's i reckon it's helping people listen to stuff yeah Yeah. it just it just sounds like and all of a sudden they're doing the doing the dishes or whatever as you listen to a podcast and before you know it someone else is speaking someone else is a guest Mm. if you zone out you'd miss it yeah it's frustrating (laughs) it's really good uh diff people don't even know who you really are i'd imagine Who's, who's people? You mean people listening? No yeah. one would know who I am. Yeah, like, I would so, assume, particularly so, not your audience. So typically how we start, I think that was Andre just walking past. Oh, awesome. oh, I was wondering why he was like, hey, I'm like, I don't know who you hey, are. Andre stranger. Yeah, I reckon he's go. a listener of the show. I reckon Shout out Andre. Hey, Andre. Good music. Make us some theme music, please, to start the show. Great musician. We normally ask people, like, who is who is Diff? 
So that's typically how mm. we start these things. So you want to give uh, give the people a bit of context of who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, oh, I, I, I'm one of these people that overanalyzes this question too much because, you know, in my field, people people in these kind of professional development times, they reflect on this question and they say, well, what do you say when people say, tell me about yourself? It says a lot about yourself, how you start the question. Which well, is probably <coughs> exactly what you've just done. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, I, I am a teacher uh, and when I say that, I, I kind of mean, unfortunately, I don't do a lot of teaching anymore. I'm further up in kind of admin now, so I don't get a, a bunch of chance to be in front of students, but teaching is what I love to do. Uh, I, and that includes, that includes just all kind of pursuit of education, so teaching myself as well as teaching other people, teaching, uh, being involved in learning with people, I suppose, is probably pretty pretty core to to who I am. Um, I'm a husband, a father, I've got a couple kids, I've got three girls, um, and uh, I like to try to maintain the air of a simple life. Uh, you do even, it well. <laughs> Maybe I should be called Sims. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I enjoy I try to enjoy. I think it's actually a, it's actually like a habit to learn to be able to to re-enjoy simple ordinary things in life and so that's something that I'm trying to do more. Um so where I live helps me to do that. I live kind of uh out in the bush a little bit and so this morning was just spent chopping firewood to try to keep the family warm on the uh on the acreage that we've got out there. So uh, that's probably that's a that's a basic way. I mean, there's plenty of different things I could say, but that that's a bit of a summary as mm. far as who I am. You live in a barn shed with an on the escarpment views. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, just making just letting the people know. It's yeah, I, yeah, great. I've got a I've got a beautiful place to live in, so uh, it's really nice out there. We live in a converted shed, yeah, off the grid. So full open plan. Kids are just full open space. Yeah, we're just putting it all out there. Hey, guys, <laughs> we'll give you a tour well, of us. Yeah, but here's right. the thing. I wanted to let people know this because some people go, I live a simple life, but then they, you know, they you're like, oh, there's so you're, not you only go on Instagram like four times a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you literally live a simple life. Yeah, I try to. Um, yeah, we got a fully open plan house. So we've got a bathroom and a laundry, but everything else is open. So the kids are... The kids are in the same room as us, as the kitchen, as, as everything else. Um, and how old are your kids? So, I, yeah, I got a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And um, we, uh, yeah, we have lots of fun trying to, trying to train them to become good people when we... Uh, it's amazing, you know, we, we, we didn't necessarily think not having bedrooms would be a big problem, but the kids can just run out of their bed and jump into our bed in the middle of the night. So training the youngest one is proving to be difficult, but <laughs> yeah. it's okay. You know, I, I, one of the things we keep thinking about is people do this. I mean, people all over the world live like this and the kinds of things that we find really, really difficult or that we couldn't imagine living without, the vast majority of people currently live without. And, you know, when you think percentage-wise across history, 99% of people lived without, but we couldn't possibly think of doing without something as fundamental as electricity. Mm. But you can, you know. I mean, we run out of electricity sometimes. A day like today, we're probably going to run out of electricity because we're solar-powered. So you can get through it. And if you see it as an adventure rather than as a problem, it's actually really enjoyable. That's it's great. great. Candlelight's one of the kids love it. They absolutely love it, you know. So it's nice. Yeah, it's good. And you're an academic through and through. 
There's a particular. Here's what I want to talk about. I'm gonna. I'm, this is this is like this say, is my opportunity. Someone being an academic means a particular thing. I don't work at a university, so I wouldn't you will, call myself an. Academic. You will one day. I'd like to. You go there because you've pulling someone up on a technicality like that is exactly what an academic. Would <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone thinking that I'm going around telling people I'm an academic. <laughs> but you've done a lot of you've done a lot of writing. You've written a lot of stuff. You've your bookshelf is the weirdest bookshelf. I've ever seen You're like pulling out things I'm like what's this about Oh this is about edu- German education In the 1500s Really sick And I'm like Okay cool And actually read. No actually it's really good So what what is the What is the thing that you're um, You're Pursuing I suppose Like if you were going to Align to the Podcast philosophy of it <laughs> Like what, what this podcast. thing's What this thing's all about What is it that you're actually out there Pursuing as Darcy bangs his microphone with his whiskey. I've been correcting mine this whole time. It's probably there's probably clunks and stuff. No, it's going good. On. Darcy's just no, not Darcy's very good just at it. An idiot. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah, I think probably the most simple answer to that is the idea of education. And education, I really want to make it clear that I don't mean kind of uh, formal schooling education because I think that a lot of the time that's far from what true education should be and could be about. So I really mean um, pursuing truth together with people. You see why we're best mates? Recognising my own ignorance and recognising that it is significant. You know, I'm with Socrates. I think it's better to say the only thing I know is that I know nothing at all rather than to kick around saying that you know things that you don't. the only way to learn anything when you think about it is to recognise that you don't know something. If you think you know things, it's impossible to teach someone like that. Uh, and I do believe that learning and understanding more about the world is creates more potential for people to, to flourish and to have joy. So, you know, like if I was going to be really, really basic about it, I would say that my pursuit of love is to have a good time. And I think when people are really... If you're going to be really, you know, honest about it, happiness is everyone's pursuit. That's that's all that that's that's what Aristotle says, right? That's that's all that anyone really wants. It's just that everyone has a bunch of different ways of getting there, and pers- maybe the definition of happiness changes for people as well. well. It sounds like your idea of happiness is like being a forever student and, you know, forever exploring knowledge and truth and the pursuit of truth. Yeah, I without think... without actually getting to an outcome either. Yeah, because you're never going to get to a stage where you say I like you know I'm happy and I can do no more. Yeah, and I guess that's why I would probably... I don't know if I'd necessarily go with Sims when. I don't know if I'd say... I'd, I'd say that what when you said happiness looks different for different people and then you talked about my approach to happiness, I wouldn't actually say that that's my approach to happiness or that that's what makes me happy. I'd probably say um, that that's, that is a, that's a, that is a, a, a process... Mm. So happiness, I think, looks the same for everyone. Like the feeling of happiness. Or maybe I'll go further and say the feeling of joy or the feeling of contentment. I think that feeling is the same for everyone, but different people get it in different ways. Got it. So I think everyone's chasing that same, that same thing and everyone's at differing levels of understanding what it is that actually brings that to them. But, and you know, if we're going to get controversial, we may as well just start. No, that's um, good. But I do think that people are very wrong about what makes them happy. Go on. I think generally speaking... <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey, welcome back. Go on. Welcome back. I think generally speaking, a lot of the world's 
unhappiness is a result of people making decisions that they think are going to make them happy, but that don't. Um, and I think when we're honest with ourselves, we can see that in ourselves. Some of the some of the deeply, some of the things that that really impact us in a deep way that actually create a lot of tension and discomfort and discontent in our lives are direct results of decisions that we made that we made poorly that we often made thinking that this is going to be really good for me and deep down if we were honest with ourselves we'd be able to say you know what it's not or maybe so there are two options either you lied to yourself or you're ignorant they're the two options like you're ignorant about it you thought it would make you happy and you were wrong or you really knew deep down it wasn't going to be worth it but you did it anyway Mm. so yeah i do think that uh, a significant amount of pain and suffering in people's lives is because we don't understand ourselves properly. Mm-hmm. We don't understand what makes us happy. And that's why I care so much about education. You know, if I could be even a tiny, tiny piece in someone understanding themselves better and understanding what's going to make them happy better so they don't hurt themselves and hurt other people, that's a life well spent. Like, that's a good thing to do. You appear to be just in this conversation so far, you have a, a very nice combination of uh, you're obviously well-researched and we used that word before, you, you, you speak quite intelligently, but you mix it with the humility to say, I also realise I know nothing, you know? And so there's nothing for you to really defend, only to... Only <laughs> it's to, a little trick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like this little trick I've been working on for 20-odd years. Yeah. But it's a... It's a, it's a combination that allows for i would say a supreme level of discussion because there's nothing to defend but you're also smart enough to know the right questions to ask look i mean honestly i this it's we live in a funny time where people think that man humanity's like so advanced we're so intelligent now like anyone who's a student of history particularly a student of philosophy is going to realise that people, we're not more advanced. We take a whole bunch of things for granted. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. They did a lot of the heavy lifting. And if anything, we are, we are completely disregarding and defacing a lot of the work that they did. So once again, you know, I can go back and be with Socrates and say the best thing to do is to ask questions, not to give answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that. I think that um, asking questions draws, draws people out of themselves and draws things out of people. Um, no one likes no one likes it when you just go up and you say, this is everything I think about you. And mm. I know everything about you and you don't know anything about you and here it is. And I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for 10 years and kids hate that. They mm. hate that. But kids love it when you, you get down at their level and not in a condescending way, genuinely because you like them and you just talk to them about who they are and about what they want and what they're going through. It draws them out of themselves. That's what education means. It comes from the Latin word educere. It means to draw out, right? Mm -hmm. That's what education was supposed to be. Somewhere along the line, we got this silly idea that it was about putting stuff in. It's not. It's about about drawing students out of themselves. And not just students, like everyone. We're all, we all need to be, we, 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 we tend to curve in on ourselves into a tight little ball, you know, of, for protection or for whatever reason. But life is meant to be lived relationally, you know, in Mm. community. And the only way to do that authentically is to be vulnerable, but to open up to people, you know. And uh, the world needs more people that are willing to just know people for who they really are and allow allow them to be that, but not to say, 
that's good enough, that's okay. But to genuinely say, okay, and, and how are you really? Like, how are you really feeling about that? And I wonder why. Is there anything that we can look to to try to help you to get more joy in your life? You mentioned before that you think that the world isn't necessarily in a better state than it once was and that we're living on the shoulders of giants. Mm. Would, you, would you correlate that with the fact that we're living less relationally? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's... I would say absolutely. I don't think that's the only correlation, but that's a huge part of it, a huge sure. part of it. Um, the lack of relationality and community in people's lives. It's a great, there's, a, there's a senator called Ben Sass over in the States, and he's, he's written a book, and um, I listened to a talk that he gave, the Trinity Foundation, Trinity Forum, sorry. Uh, and he talked about loneliness, <clears throat> that there is an ec- epidemic of loneliness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get these stats wrong, but it's the spirit of them that matters. So... He said something like, uh, you know, these studies that were done about um, true friendship in the States in 2010, the average American had 1.2 or 1.4 friends, which is a staggering stat just by itself. I mean, they defined friendship in a very specific way. This is people who, uh, who you really know and uh, who really know you mm-hmm. at a deep level, like they really know who you are. Mm. 1.4 but then in, the, in, the, in five years after that, that dropped to less than one. So it was like 0.9. Mm. Now, when you think about there's going to be a bunch of people out there with like four or five or ten, there is just a huge percentage of people that aren't really known by anybody. No friends. Mm. No real friends. No real friends. It's massive. And, and, you know, like I'm not like I don't want to point the finger and, you know, blame the victim, but I think we do that to ourselves. For, for a number of reasons, we do it to ourselves. We alienate ourselves from people. Um, and Why do you, you think know. we do that? Because it, it kind of seems counterintuitive. Like, I'm sure if you've got a group of people and you're like, do you want real friends? Most people are like, yeah, I want a real friend. But why do you think it is that we yeah, alienate do, ourselves then? Do people, do people really want the cost? Yeah, mm. it's difficult. People always want the easier option. The, the cost of true friendship is pain like that's like a true friend is someone that you hurt with mm. when they hurt mm. the cost of true friendship friendship is sacrifice of time i mean it's really a true friend is someone for whom you'll be selfless and selflessness isn't necessarily something that we got going in spades at the moment you know mm. i mean it's hard enough for people that make a commitment in front of their family and friends and god if they believe in him to say i will never leave you it's hard enough for them to stick together Mm. Let alone just friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no contract. Well, yeah, <laughs> and the, you know the contract doesn't seem to help anyway. And your so. friends don't take half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, um, the truth is, I think that fr- friendship requires um, you to say no to a bunch of things. Mm. It requires limitations. Mm. A true friend, if you're going to look at it in a really kind of negative way, a true friend is a limitation. It limits you. And, I mean, how many people... I, you know, I work with students and the thing I love the most about young people is that they're not old enough to pretend. So adults are really good at putting on all of these false reasons for what's sure. going on, but kids yeah. are just like, this is how it is. And, yeah, I'm a selfish prick, but whatever. Like, this is who I am. It's great. It would be good if adults were that honest <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. But, you know, you listen to students talk about it and they're just like, oh, no, they, that, that kid, that, that friend of mine, no, they said something mean about me, you know. Or... They just wanted too much. They just wanted too much. Like they weren't, they were never there for me. I was always there for them, but they were never there for me. And so we're not friends anymore. It's as simple as that. 
And you could say, oh, well, you do have to look after yourself, right? You've got you to love yourself before other people love you. Eh. It doesn't work, okay? If everyone took that approach, love yourself before, so that you can love other people or love yourself so that other people can love you, you would end up really in a world where everyone just loves themselves. But isn't that the world we live in now? Is that why we got point nine friends? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, and a lot of it's fear, man. I think fear, fear is poison. You know, fear... Fear is natural. Yeah, absolutely it's natural, but that doesn't mean that it's good. Or it doesn't mean that it's... It doesn't mean that it can't control you in a bad way. Sure. So there's good sure. fear. There's, there's, there's Same fear. Same with courage. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's fear that helps you to see reality more clearly. Absolutely. But there's fear that stops you from engaging in reality at all. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone probably has a natural uh, predilection towards one of those two things. Sure, yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, meaty. <laughs> that's good. I don't, know, well, I don't know what we were talking about before that, but yeah, that's the point of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. You this think... is where the editing comes in. Tell you what, if you usually edit the podcasts, yeah. you do a great job because Ever... I've never heard an edit. No, oh, no, thank I'm you. just like, man, these conversations are fluid. We are not going to be this fluid. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, yeah, you'd be surprised. Mm. Even though Darcy was like pulling me up the other day, he's like, "Why do you take out the silence?" Yeah, and all here that. you go, Diff. We had a discussion on the use of silence in a podcast and Matt usually edits out the silence but I'm a big one for sometimes when a, when a bomb is dropped it's worth four seconds of silence even for the audience hmm. to be like hmm. whoa let me soak that one up for a second well I was just working on that episode yeah <laughs> and I'll have you know I took that four seconds of silence and I made it two nice <laughs> just so there's a All bit right. I'll there's meet a you bit in the middle. but it's short I'll meet you in the middle <laughs> well cheers to that S- silence is um, yeah silence is a huge tool and there's a, I mean, I think... Talk about talk about the positive and negative to things. Silence Absolutely. can be used for both, can't Absolutely. It? You know, and you know, when you're just going to talk about teaching, silence, if a teacher that knows how to use silence well, that's extremely effective, you know. So, but, this, but the, the same thing, I mean, well, why? Why is silence, why would silence be such a big deal? And why would we feel like we've got to edit this out? Because mm. once again, this is the world we're living in. It's a world uncomfortable with silence just with being i th- i think oh, well i do it more from a an entertainment standpoint that i'm like this has to be like i think people have lesser attention spans they do and absolutely. it's just got to be faster and faster i so. wonder though i think i reckon you could cultivate an audience mm-hmm. of people with that are okay with silence to you be know? fair um i think i edit a little too much and there's a bit of me just doing it because I enjoy working on these episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't want to just sit there. Like, I'd listen through it before we put it out anyway, but I always find something, like, that I want to change. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I probably could just leave them unedited and put it up and we'd have mostly the same reception. Yeah. Potentially. I suppose we wouldn't know. Except, try except with the, episode. Yeah, we well, gonna, I, let's, I, let's put some bulk... Like, in, insert silence into this. Yeah. Just random. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it with this one. I cannot do it on the ones where we do Skype calls. Yeah. yeah. So, to, to break the fourth wall for the audience is whenever we do a Skype call and I get all the recordings, most of the time, the conversations are like a second or two out from each other. Mm. And if I was just to just layer oh, the tracks yeah. on top, like you'd trash. find people would start talking over the top of each other or starting before the other person's finished talking, mm. that kind of thing. Mm. So most of those episodes where people call in, I have to completely create the conversation myself. 
and like just take everyone's sentences and go, okay, this is going to start here. This is going to start right afterwards. So you would this like them. If you like editing, you would prefer them to these ones. There's, yeah, there's a, bit, a lot more work. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who guess if you like the work. Yeah. yeah. I would hate that. I used, to, I used to edit a bunch and I, oh man, editing audio. That was I, don't, I don't know. I found like I'm, I'm a little burnt out on editing video at the moment. Yeah, right. But okay. I found like newfound life in editing the oh, audio. That's cool. It's just, now it's you just got to get some wacky sound effects and stuff yep. to come in. That'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put that in. little soundboard. <laughs> was there a while there, Diff, that you were doing a whole bunch of media stuff? Was like that ever into the mm. mix of your pursuit sort of thing like did you ever think that that was the direction yeah you'd absolutely go? yeah um when i was in grade 11 i got a traineeship to go and work in a production studio in town um so i did that for a couple of years actually I, I ended up working there for eight years um and i love i love writing uh so my first master's is in creative writing so it's just about it was nice. about writing how many novels have you written by the way uh, look, these are things I don't want to talk about because ha- a- a- an English teacher with failed novels is just like the most... But you've never released them. No, I know, I know because they're not ready and so they'll never be ready because so I've worked on them in So they've failed before years. you've even put them out. Uh, they've failed in my eyes because they need to be right, you know, they need, they need to so be you, good. So you are already an English teacher with a failed novel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what do you got to lose by putting it out? No, because they're not finished. They're not finished, yeah. damn it. Give me a line, get off my back. See, I knew, it, I knew that was his weak spot in his yeah, armor. I was like, yeah. I was just going to poke for a little bit. That's yeah. fine. We can, we can move away from that. I, wa- I, wa- I want them to be, to be right, you know. And um, anyway. How would you know when they are? Oh, because I would like them. I think that would be... Uh, I doubt true, you. I, a true, I I, yeah. true artist will never like their own work. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a true artist. I absolutely rate my own work. Like, I, yeah. the stuff that I do, do that I do well, I'm like... Yeah. That was Isn't that contradictory to your like ever learning philosophy? Uh, d- just because just because you still got room to grow doesn't mean you can't say that something's great. Yeah, I oh, mean, okay. I, I, I can find problems, but I if I can't enjoy the product, so you know the reason I got into teaching because I really like um, productions. So Shakespeare's a huge love of mine. Uh, it's what I did my thesis on. And um, and so I, I got into teaching because I was like, I just want to do school plays. I just love it. And I love taking school plays to a level that people don't expect. Yeah. So, like, I'm a big metal fan. So when we did Hamlet, I put a bunch of Trivium and uh, Parkway Drive and stuff <laughs> in it. And it was, it was did, really cool. Did you, see, did you ever see that high school production of Alien? No, actually, got, I did. That yeah, that looked yeah. great, man. They were putting some time into that. That was yeah. cool. I don't know, like that it would that it would be like an incredible story, but it looked cool at least. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I and so when I do the productions, I put everything into them, and I like being able to sit back and say that was that was top notch. Like that was good. Um, you know, like if if something's good, it's okay to acknowledge it that it's good i mean if you're the only one that thinks it's good that's a bit of a problem so once again it's about you know <laughs> being able to hear from people and, and being aware of yourself and and having that self-knowledge but mm. but yeah no you asked me a question about oh about me, film, yeah, me, media like we're gonna yeah. do you yeah. want to want to go back into it and like double some stuff look I'm, I'm back teaching media again this year i haven't taught it in ages oh, yeah. but um they cool. yeah, i'm just teaching senior media Junior philosophy and senior media this year. How's just junior p- philosophy? Out of, oh, that actually might derail us a bit. Let's <laughs> yeah, get back yeah, to the media thing. I just want to ask that question. Yeah, How no, is that's junior cool. philosophy? Junior philosophy is great and I'm really yeah. happy to talk about it because I absolutely love yeah. it. Um, but yeah, no, so uh, I don't know. I Probably not. I think teaching it again, it's something that comes really naturally to me and I really enjoy it. But um, I never had the passion, the draw. I know that, you know, like Matt, when I hear Matt talk about his passion for it and what he wants out of it. Mm-hmm. I was never that. I was never committed enough to it. I think you, 
it's the kind of thing that you need to be just committed to because that many people want it and that many people are driving for it that if that if there's a part of you that's like, eh, take it or leave it, I'm not pre- really prepared to work for it. Um, I don't know, you could get a lucky break, but generally speaking, um, I, I realise now that I was never sold out on it enough. It's, it's, it's an interesting story actually because I did tell everyone that's what I wanted to do. And it is what I wanted to do. You know, I was writing scripts. And actually, because I was a teacher, I got to make two feature films, which was heaps of fun, you know, writing the script and then the kids they were great. Um, acted in it. I remember you editing the first one when we were living together. Yeah, the trailers really for it, yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was good fun. Oh, it's great, you know. And so, That's you know, impressive to pull off in a, a high school too. <laughs> yeah, well, did you ever see it? Because you went to uni with Jordan, who was one of the students. I, th- I think he showed me Jordan the trailer, yeah, but yeah. I haven't seen the whole film. Yeah. That's LARP though, right? That was LARP, no, yeah. No, the one before one. that. I was one yeah, Deadless, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. It's good fun. But yeah, you know, this is what teachers do, right? They just kind of use their students to fulfill their own ambitions and stuff. But if you want to throw students <laughs> my way, <laughs> yeah, look I've, I've got some crew. I, I need oh, some absolutely, crew filled. Yeah. Although uh, we're shooting during the week, so they'll have to wax skill. Yeah, maybe not. They're <laughs> <laughs> about to graduate. That's okay. But yeah, no, I mean, I had, I was just really, really blessed with the opportunity that I had with the job that I got in high school. I mean, my high school job and then my uni job was. Traveling the world making documentaries, you know, so oh, that was unreal. pretty special. Um, so the department that I the the uh, the business that I worked for had connections to people that uh, so uh, Barry Rogers down in the Mugali. So I got to go over to Turkey and Israel and shoot a documentary of them reenacting the charge of Beersheba and the light horse. Huh. Um, and so that was camping out in the desert with a bunch of old kind of World War Two and and Korea and Vietnam veterans and. That was that was amazing, you know. I was I think I was twenty one. It was an incredible experience. How long were you over there? Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, it was great. And then did you know a little bit in like just some Pacific countries. Um but I think I think the the scale of making feature films and and the business around it, it's probably something that I've come to realise I don't think I would enjoy. Mm. Um you know, when I look at movies now and I look at um particularly Marvel films and stuff like that. And when I look at the public reception to movies, it's an it's a area I'm glad I'm not in. Um, I don't really necessarily like a lot of movies that get made these days. I'm not a particularly arty person. I just like uh, movies not to be really formulaic and have superheroes in them, that's all. Those ones are kind of scary formulaic now. Yeah, absolutely. There was, there was a really mm. interesting interview I read with Brie Larson where a scene that she shot, she shot on a green screen with none of the other actors around and the page of script she was given had everyone else's lines blacked out and she only knew hers. Yeah, I mean, you're basically just you, a voice you don't even, artist. Yeah, you don't even know what you're acting towards yeah, at that yeah. stage. That's, um, not, that's wow. not the kind of film... That's not what I think of when I think of no. filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and, and I think... Um, Although there are good superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool one and two. <laughs> they're the two that I'd be okay with. But I oh, know they're def- they definitely are. I mean, I love I love Christopher Nolan films. So you know, the, all of the Dark Knight movies for me are brilliant. Top notch. That's great. Not the last one. Yeah, well, not as much as the, as the second one. That's absolutely. <laughs> Whenever sure. we talk movies, Matt like has his knife really yeah. just like jab. He's really just yeah. like, yeah. Not really. Not yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you forgot about. Do you like Do you like <laughs> Nolan? Though? Yeah, most mostly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I I I kind of. Rank Memento from Memento down, really, because I kind of I kind of like that. It's about story and it's about um, script. You know, yeah. like I was it's not one a wildly of the people, accessible film. 
No, but I, I, when I realise what the kind of movies I like, it's not actually about accessibility most of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. When you say accessibility, what do we what do we mean there? Like oh, the right. well, Memento is told in like a non-linear. Yeah, fashion. I've seen it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just think a general audience mm. can't connect with that. Gotcha. They it's wouldn't want to. Avengers audience has got psychological no time for it. perspective. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. like it's they don't make that movie anymore. You can't get it from video easy. Yeah, <laughs> <you can't. laughs> yeah, no, not like that. Right. Yeah. But you yeah. can't get it from video easy. Yeah. No. Probably. Just the does video easy exist? I don't think you can get it from. I'm sure there's one in Wilsonton. Yeah, there's a reason it didn't make a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah right. And that, yeah. that's that's a huge thing as well, the making money thing. You know, I yeah. mean, Game of Thrones just killed it. I was one of the people that signed that petition because I was a huge fan of the seasons and I what became... What was that petition? To, the, re, the to petition remake to, the last season. Not oh, that I actually yeah. wanted <laughs> them to because I actually... I, I really just wanted to just to let it go. But, yeah. um but I just felt like it was an opportunity, and that's all it was for anyone, just to vent our frustration at the fact that you literally had one of the greatest shows, if not the greatest show of all time, and you, you just... You just want to throw it. it away so you can go work on Star Wars. Yeah, and that just makes me scared for Star Wars now as well. But anyway, Star we, don't, Wars is, <laughs> we don't need to keep talking about movies. Yeah. You already had that one with Phil, and I was like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. You've already had that with <laughs> yeah. Phil. But. I should have gone on the toilet at that point yeah. in the conversation. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and turn my mic off. <laughs> uh, junior Philosophy. Junior philosophy. What's it like talking from? You know, I think collectively we have we have quite the fandom of philosophy right here. Just not the uh, intellect. Just not the. Intellect. Me, I'm talking personally. I wish oh, I had really? more knowledge. Yeah, you, 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 you got it. Mm. You're, you're getting there, bro. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, what's it like still to, uh, when you say junior? Me. You mean year seven, year eight, year nine, nine, ten? Yeah, so nine, junior ten. high, yeah, as opposed so to sort of yeah. sixteen year olds ish, or uh, fourteen, fifteen. Yep. And so, what's it like for them learning philosophy at that age? What do you find? I'm a huge believer in the fact that kids are far more capable than we give them credit for. Yes. You know, like you, you help them to get there, you show them something exciting and the, and those, the guys that want it, they'll just go for it, you know? So, I mean, some of my students are doing amazing things really. So, you know, go, go back to for a second, what Steve said about, yeah, you know, I don't really know about, I think there's philosophy in the general sense of, you know what we really like is sitting around with a whiskey and having a deep chat and thinking about deep stuff. And then there's philosophy in the specific sense of let's read Plato's Republic. Sure. You know, yeah. let, let's talk yeah. specifically about and what Aristotle Plato was said. the one that said this. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, and and so I think I I'm all for more people getting into philosophy. Um, I get a little bit. Uh, ner- I get. I don't know if nervous is the right word. I get something. I don't know if it's frustrated or what it is when people use the word philosophy to really mean get a bit tipsy and talk deep for a bit. Yeah. Um, I I think that it's good that people talk deep about stuff. Um, But for me, you know, I go back to what Steve said, you know, there's stuff, there's so much that I don't know. It's like there is just so much amazing stuff written in the last two and a half thousand years. Mm. Um, People should read it. Mm. Yeah, people should just read it. If there was one thing that I could say that that so one thing that I could that I could help people to realize would help them in their life, uh, it would be to read more read. books. Yeah, and, and old books like read the good stuff. That and you got to you got to be prepared to. I think this is a problem as well because I've been just spoon fed so much information in a really digestible form. You know, Google, what's this? Oh, there it is. Mm. You know, um, and it's written in really plain English. Most of the time, all modern writing is. You know, I've been digging into some of the old stuff and 
you know, antique book sh- bookstores and I, yes. I pulled out one of Plato's books that was given to the ducks of a school in Sydney in 1900 yes. and still had the written on it. That's so, I, so good. I started reading this and um, it's in my backpack actually and then I was just like, okay, I need to learn how to read this first, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I'm finding the more that I'm digging into old mm-hmm. books is you got to be prepared to actually pay the price just to read it because mm. sometimes you don't just get to read a sentence and go, oh yeah, cool, next. You're like, okay. <laughs> Let's read that sentence again. What Absolutely. does that actually mean? Look, this is uh, this is a hard thing about this is this is a uh, an indictment on education in general. Is the most common question that I get from parents and from students, uh, and from the general you know population is when are they ever going to use that? Mm-hmm. When are they ever going to use this? When it was Shakespeare? What are you teaching Shakespeare for? When is my kid ever going to use Shakespeare? The, I, I have answers to that, but they're answers that people aren't necessarily I don't want to hear willing to hear. You sure. know? Do you have an answer, example? Well, I mean, generally speaking, what Steve just said is is an answer. There is there are, there is two and a half thousand years, you know, more of incredible stuff that is actually, even though we've got a fairly literate society, that is uh, um, unreached and unreachable to a whole bunch of our educated in inverted commas population they all went through school but when it came to that question when am i ever going to use this they said i'm not going to use it so it doesn't matter and what i'm talking about is the ability to read hard stuff Mm. so what do you why do you read shakespeare look there's a bunch of other great reasons one of them is the skill to be able to read complex stuff why would we need to read complex stuff instead of simple stuff well because as much as i'm an advocate for the simple life life in all of its fullness is more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. It's more complex than that. And the more that and you can... And only gets more complex as you get older. Absolutely. And the more that you study it. Yes. <laughs> that, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, here's another door. Yeah. Oh, shit, there's another 13 <laughs> doors. Yeah, yeah. But the complexity, is a, it's a beautiful complexity. It's not a complexity that's daunting or that makes you run from it. Mm. It's, it's a complexity that's inviting because yeah. the world becomes more, like yes. it becomes thicker with more reality when you are invested in understanding it. You know, mm. so much of what we do is actually about um, making it more shallow. So, you know, philosophy, Plato's Cave, right? All of the people down in Plato's Cave chained to the wall looking at the... This is probably the most famous example in philosophy that there is, right? Sure. So hopefully people are familiar with it. All the people are chained, you know, to the floor, staring at the wall, and what are they seeing? Two-dimensional shadows. So puppet. Puppets are having their shadows thrown on the wall. And for them, this is all that reality is. Mm-hmm. Plato's cave has, has never stopped being relevant. I feel like it might be more relevant today than it ever has been, mm-hmm. but probably everyone always says that about their particular time. But I think that a lot of the time we do live in a world where people are saying, well, what do we need to know that for? We've got our two-dimensional shapes and this is good enough for us. And this comes back to what I was saying about people's uh, awareness or understanding of what makes them happy. There is a whole wide, beautiful world full of colour and uh, three dimensions and and birds and trees and the sun and the breeze and water out there if they would just go on the difficult journey of walking out of the cave. And why walk out of the cave? Do you think? I, I agree with you completely. I'll I'll put my devil's advocate hat on Go for, for the sake of the discussion. Love the devil. Yeah, I'm big fan. Of <laughs> Do you want to edit that? <laughs> no, no. Well, I, the, the truth is, Satan in in literature and Paradise Lost and stuff is one of the most interesting characters. It tells us so much about ourselves. So you've often talked about screw tape. 
Yeah, absolutely. Understanding the demonic or Satan in particular, satanic impulse, I think gives us great Before insight we dive ourselves. In, actually, we'll come back to that. Go on. No, sure? good that question sounded pretty cool. Oh, we can come uh, back to Satan. Yeah, we'll get... Okay, <laughs> let's... Let's just you know, um, park Satan for a second. Just sit <laughs> he doesn't there. like being parked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, the question of... Why leave the cave? Yeah, why leave the cave, right? So your mm. example would be, well, if you don't leave the cave, there is, there is so much beauty out there that you don't see. Mm. And the answer to that is, or the rebuttal to that in this devil's advocacy mm. would be, uh, yeah, but I'm content here. I'm happy in the cave. Mm. Uh, why, why go explore? Um, and it probably comes down to, I suppose, at the end of the day, you're like, well, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well live in this cave because I know it, I like it, I'm happy with it. Mm. Why go explore? Look, Jeez. in the allegory, the, the person that sees... Oh, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's what Cypher says in The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Matrix is the yeah, cave yeah, yeah, in a yeah. movie. He does, doesn't absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, yeah, yeah. I want to go back and I don't want to remember anything and I want to be rich. And, I, yeah, and yeah. you know, the truth is, uh, we're talking about the Matrix now. The truth <laughs> is, Agent Smith could send him back and not give him any of that stuff and he wouldn't know because he'd have his mind. Yes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a stupid deal to make. It's a stupid deal. Um, knowledge is always better than ignorance, but that's not actually the answer. So the answer that I think is, I think. Um, if we were to be really honest, it's easy to say I'm content, but what are we content with? Mm-hmm. It's easy to say I'm happy, but then the question comes back to really? Like really? Like are you happy with the chaos of your life? Are you happy with self-medicating in whatever way that you are, either through flicking, getting the endorphin rush or flicking through Instagram or you know some online shopping thing or through you know, living for the weekend and partying with your mates and then going back to the drudgery of work or putting, you know, banking everything on my marriage and then turns out that's really hard and that's falling apart or, you know, I've got these kids now, I've always wanted to have kids and it turns out kids are really difficult. Like, generally speaking, when people are like, what's the point? Like, what's the point in doing all of this stuff when I could just be content in my ignorance? I think there's more. I think there's more for you. And I do think that deep down inside people, they have a yearning for more. 100%. And more costs, but the cost is worth it. My job, ultimately, the job of any teacher is helping someone to realise that the cost is worth it. The cost of doing the work, of, of learning this stuff, of doing this exam, of writing this essay, that that cost is worth it. When you say worth it, what is it? Worth, worth or whatever the reward whatever, is. Well, no, worth whatever the cost is. The cost is worth doing that thing for, right, to be able to get the hmm. result. But the result sometimes, honestly, sometimes the result is the process. Sometimes sure, the result is agree. the person you became because you did the work. Yeah, nice. And when we have this idea that life is about instant gratification, no limitations, freedom to do stuff rather than... Uh, or sorry, I should say freedom from people telling me what to do rather than freedom to be able to genuinely do things. It's a big distinction the way we talk about freedom. Mm. Um, When we have this idea about life, what we end up doing is living really small lives, generally speaking, that we don't really enjoy. So it's a great line in Screwtape. So this is a book that um, Steve talked about before. It's weird you call me Steve, dude. Yes. It's just, I'm not used to this. I'm just in podcast mode. Oh, hey, real name. You can call me Steven. Steven. How are you? Um, 
So Screwtape Letters is a book by C.S. Lewis, right, where you've got these demons talking to each other about the best way that they can screw, screw up humans. And it says, uh, he says, you know, what we want to do with humans is we always want to promise them more and give them less. Um, they take something, they, ta- they, they want something, and then the second time when they go back to that, they want more of it because the same amount doesn't satisfy them. So it's an ever-increasing appetite with an ever-diminishing satisfaction. And eventually, he says, eventually we want people to get to the end of their life realising that they've basically done nothing that they enjoyed, that they had this life where they were continually chasing things, continually thinking about the future, never engaged in the present, never really enjoying themselves right now, always thinking about something else, you know, Thinking about the future, it's an interesting thing for you guys to, 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 to like when you think about this podcast, mm. saying to Steve on Tuesday, Tuesday when we hung out, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, this, this is bad, I think, of me to an extent, but I'm not great with having a plan. And I think it's because this book, Screwtape, really impacted me in a deep way when I was younger when it said um, the, the least effective thing for a human to think about is the future. Because when you think about the future, you set it up either as this potential hell that you're terrified about Mm. or this potential heaven uh, that you're working towards, but you're always sacrificing uh, sacrificing the current benefits and the current blessings that you have today, heaping them on the altar of the idol of the future. Never happy or content right now, always looking forward to the future. And I've just always wanted to say, no, I want to enjoy every day. I want to enjoy this right now. So, yes, walking out of the cave is a difficult journey. Um, But if you've got the right mindset, every step is an enjoyable one, even in the difficulty, Mm -hmm. you know? I think I completely relate to that. I've personally embraced that a lot. You know, Steve and I and and Matt are building this company, Bravo, and uh, we're creating – you would have seen, I'm sure Steve's told you about the sales game – concept that we're creating and running for for sales teams and small business owners we're having a blast doing it and the other day i was doing a bit of work on i think i was writing some email scripts that were about to go out that we you know send to people and i just thought how good is it that i've got the opportunity to potentially not get this right mm-hmm. you know like I, I was like oh, i can get this right i want to get this perfect but how good is it that i'm even able to ask myself that question and steve and i were playing golf the other day and the the, the analogy rang, rang true. Remember, I was um, standing on a tee box about to drive the ball. And usually I'd be so nervous about the fact that, oh, where's this one going to end up? Is this going left or is this going right? Is, is it even getting off the ground? And I would, when I used to play golf, I would run that through my mind so uh, hysterically that I'd usually shank it. Mm. I'd usually hit mm-hmm. a pretty crap shot. But I just changed my mindset to be grateful for the fact that I even get to have the opportunity to potentially stuff it up. I even just get the opportunity. How good is that? Mm. And it just changed completely the uh, manner in which I approached my work, I would suggest. Mm. And it it led me to reading a book called Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield, which is, uh, he wrote The War of Art. Mm. And he talks about... Have you read that, Diff? Yeah, we've got it at home. I think you gave it to Katie. Yeah. 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 I like the... It's super simple, but I like like it. Embracing Mm. the resistance. And he talks about, you know, a professional compared to an amateur. An amateur mm. looks at the past and the future and then judges themselves on mm. it in mm. any which way. A pro is just right here, right now. Mm. Absolutely. They are a professional of their work. Yeah. Dan Elborn, in a podcast, what, six episodes ago now, uh, he, what's what he said? He said, you know, the, the, 
what was it? The reward? Something along, paraphrasing, paraphrasing, something along the lines of, you know, success isn't making it. Yes. Success is simply having making. the opportunity to make it. Yes. That's you know, it. And I it's, love that. I think, I think there's something quite interesting with that is that glass half full gratitude type nature just to the way that people can approach life. I just think it's way, like life is so much more colourful when people take that approach, regardless of the things around them. Yeah, I can't remember who it was that you had on that were talking about just taking responsibility. Yeah. Um, just uh, the victim mentality is the most uh, limiting, personally limiting mentality that mm. you can have when everything that goes wrong is someone else's fault. Mm. And when you're living in that victim mentality, it's really difficult to, to get anything done, you know. So, you know, something I say with my girls is something that we say that I'm helping them to say is mistakes, is your fr- mistakes are your friend. If you make a mistake, that's good. It means you're trying something, right? If you're just, if you're just playing it safe, yeah, you might not make any mistakes, but you'll never do a new thing. Like yes. you'll never experience anything never new. Never learn. Exactly. And, you know, like honestly, deep, deep down, learning is what life is about, mm. growing. Learning and growing is synonymous. Like you, you find me someone who's grown who hasn't learned and really all they've grown is biologically. They, mm. haven't, they haven't grown mm. at all, right? Like learning is what life is about. But learning requires... The humility to say you don't know, which is huge. And then it requires the courage to get it wrong. And it requires the dedication and the work that goes into actually finding something out, you mm-hmm. know. So the amount of people, like, I think, that are in the same situation that you said that you're in, Steve, when you're looking at that book. Oh, I should really read something like this. You know, I'm going to sit down. It's, oh, I'm in bed. It's, I'm going to bed. I'm going to start reading this thing. You know, a paragraph in, oh, man, I can see why I never really read stuff. Close that boring old book, you know. And it could have been, it could be Paradise Lost, you know, the greatest mm. poem ever written in an English language. People are just like, not I actually really even it. believe a far chunk of the Bible is like that. Absolutely. It's just like, oh, got to tread through this, you know, like, what is this? And, you know, honestly, I, I see it, I've been, uh, t- 10 years is not a long time to be teaching um, I'm not old enough to have been taught uh, teaching any longer, but you know, there's people who've been teaching 40 years. But even in 10 years, if there was one common denominator of what's changing in young people, it's their ability to concentrate. Mm. It's just we we cannot focus on a single thing. That's what Matt was saying before about editing out the sound. I understand why you do it. Edit out the silence because people's attention spans are just like yes, you know, they're just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And how much of and this is uh, this is a bit difficult, but how much of what you guys do, how much of what the the young couple that were on here talking about ben and cultivating Tyler. an ben Instagram Tyler. page, yeah. Yeah. how much of what what we do is actually catering to that? It's recognising this is the way people are these days and therefore we need to be like this mm. and therefore we are contributing to that problem. Mm. And that's I think that's the hardest thing about being a teacher, convicted as I am, is seeming outdated, uh, coming up against all of these questions about what's the point of this, you know, the world's moved on, get with the times. Get with the times is the dumbest saying in the world, <laughs> right? There's certain things that it makes sense to get with the times for, right? If you're walking to and from work 50 kilometres a day because you don't want to get with the times <laughs> of having a car, that's kind of silly, right? But get with the times when it comes to the fundamental things of what it means to be a human. Humans haven't changed. We're the same as we were. We're the same as we've always been. And we keep coming up with these educational trends to try to get with the times when, in my experience, what kids really want is a conversation. 
They just want a conversation. They want to be known by you. This is exactly the way that education happened 2,000 years ago. Mm. Well, if we get to universal basic income, we can all just have chats like this all day. Mm. I don't know if it'll be enough. People always want more, right? (laughs) It might be enough. I I don't mind it. What's your thoughts on that, though, Darcy? Because Diff just made a comment of humans have always been the same. You're a man of psychology and done plenty of study uh, with that. Yeah, I would completely agree. You'd agree with that? Yeah, I think the, the mechanisms that run the most integral part of ourselves haven't changed for millennia. But but when you say that, I am assuming it from coming at it from a psychological perspective, you're talking about kind of um, maybe evolutionary urges or desires that we have to. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So maybe you should. Yeah, you tell yeah. Me what you so, mean. I mean, the I, I mean more from like a psychophysiological perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, every single message that we receive has to go through what's called our reptilian brain to begin with, which is the, the primal urges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that part of the brain, uh, before any message can pass on to the neocortex, which is where you know, we have our higher order thinking, it must go through that stage first and be, and be cleared as safe all right, to be passed on to other areas. And that part of the brain, just psychophysiologically, hasn't changed for millennia. So I would suggest the way we sort through information on a very rapid and almost unconscious level that we're not aware of, mm. that hasn't changed for but a I'd, long time. I'd say that if you came from that, from more of a, a spiritual... Yeah, I'd say like anthropologically what humanity is hasn't changed. And wouldn't you say anthropology is a reflection of the psychology? Yeah, I mean, psych- psychology, you know, I've been listening ever since you sent me that podcast with Peterson and, and Robert Barron. Um, I'm a huge fan of Robert Barron, less a fan of um, Jordan Peterson. Not that I'm not a fan of him, mm. but... Um, and in his podcast, I find he takes a long time to say stuff. And I'm just like, get, hurry up, man. <laughs> we were talking about this the other day over lunch. Like, sometimes he's really on. Yeah. Sometimes he's really... There's a great one where he did a, a talk. I'd love you to listen to this to Peterson talk because I don't reckon you'd be, it'd be great to hear your perspective dissecting it. Hmm. It's in Sydney. He said... It's called... Oh, the God one. The one that who, came out who after dare Baron. he say he yeah. believe in God? Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I only... I think I listened to it. I was going to sleep, so I only caught the first 10 minutes of it. I think you'd like the last 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He didn't even get to it by the time I fell asleep. I don't think No. So, so he was just talking about everyone else's uh, responses, but yeah. the last part was... I'd right. love to have, a, have a listen. an offline chat about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, the psychology thing is not something that I know a lot about. Um, it's definitely it's definitely something that is a really important element of what it means to be a human. I think you can actually think of the, psych- the psychological from a philosophical perspective mm. and what the psychological means. So And you know, the philosophy from a psychological yeah, perspective. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I think, I, I feel like putting psychology before philosophy is kind of putting the, the wagon before the horse, right? Where philosophy is about understanding everything. Psychology is about understanding a particular thing. And I think because psychology... That word understanding presupposes the brain that, is used. Yeah, that's right. And I think because psychology um, comes with a bunch of presuppositions about my ability to understand so the larger question i think to ask someone into psychology is asking questions of epistemology sure how can you be sure of anything at all okay you know how can you how do you know that this isn't just a giant simulation you know so society the history of philosophy has been what was that thing called epistemology 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 is the branch of philosophy that's about understanding how we come to know things and what knowledge truly is Mm. um There's a really good quote that relates to that, which is something along the lines of, you know, who are we to suggest that the human brain, which is no more than a lump of fat and electrical wiring, 
is the ultimate determinant of the reality that we see. You know, we mm. only see such mm. a small amount of the reality and we call that the universe. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Who was who the guy who said, I think, therefore I am? Descartes. Descartes. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and, and so Descartes, Descartes that, so that was um, a discourse on method, right? So this is 1637. This is really, you can say, kind of pretty much the start of the Enlightenment. So pre- previous to that, you got Francis Bacon. But really, 1600s, this is the time where things start to change fairly rapidly. From 1500 on is really what you call the modern era. Descartes saying that, I think, therefore I am, was putting a huge psychological flag in the, you know, stake in the ground and saying psychology comes first. Mm-hmm. Kind of saying the only thing that I know um, is that I am thinking. Mm. That's the only thing I can know is that I'm thinking. And so what it, what it in essence did, well, at least uh, this, is, this is my opinion on it, what it in essence did was dis, it disconnected the brain from the body or disconnected even the mind well from said. the body, yeah. right? And so what you end up getting is what was called the ghost in the shell, right? So you've got this mind. The mind is the only thing we know is real. Everything else is doubtable. Everything mm. else is we don't really know mm. about it. So from there, from, from that point... Um, things slowly start getting eroded. <laughs> we just got the sound of... Sorry, that was a little whiskey. <laughs> I'm, cool. Fill me up as yeah, well. Yeah, we're just going a little top up there. Yeah. Intermission break, thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit like... I don't want to get too philosophical. Like, I don't want to get too kind of nerdy history, philosophy... What, what I find really interesting listeners. about that is that like everyone posts, passes around these quotes nowadays, mm. but then like immediately you know the context of it and that's what's lost just yeah. posting these quotes all around the place. And people should read it, you know, yeah. because people kind of take that and they do whatever they want with it and they turn it into what they want it to mean. And, you know, Descartes was actually positing that whole process as a proof of God. And, you know, I actually think a bunch of people throughout history with the desire to do well of God ended up putting things in place that ended up kind of being very bad for the idea of God. So that disassociation between the body and the mind, so that's called Cartesian dualism, the separation between the two, that kind of laid the framework for a whole bunch of other debunking things that came after it, um, which I think has been really, really destructive for humanity. I have a very bleak view on modernity. Um, What's that? (laughs) I just... The view, (laughs) did you say? No, what is it? Modernity. Modernity. Mo- so, modern right, world. modern, modern, yeah. Well, where we are right now, I feel is, or I believe is a result of a bunch of philosophical decisions. This is why I care so much about philosophy. You look at history and you look at where we are now, philosophers are the main guys. These are the guys that are doing stuff that change things. Mm. And it's always been in, in connection with technology, right? So, you talk about the start of the modern era, 1485, the printing press, right? And then after that, you know, and at the same time, so you've got the Reformation and then you've got uh, Henry VIII, you know, divorcing, wanting to get a divorce from his wife, starting the Church of England. And now then you've got Francis Bacon, uh, you've got Descartes, you've got Locke. You've got some guys that started questioning things that hadn't been questioned for millennia. And we are like, oh, but questioning stuff is good, right? Questioning stuff is really important. And I absolutely agree. Like, that's, that's what I said. You know, that's what I'm about. Questioning stuff is really good. But the answers that they came up with... Uh, weren't necessarily great. Um, and that, that's a complex thing to get into. Because great compared to what, which is, and what is most likely your philosophy? Yeah, I think... I'm hearing a spiritual slash religious one. 
Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I don't think the world makes sense without embracing some element of spirituality. Uh, I think that we're more than just material, and anyone that says it more than just material is into some kind of spirituality, then the question just becomes, well, what is that, right? Mm. And I and I think it, I don't really think it makes sense to say we're anything. We're only material. That's that's a weird statement. I don't think anyone lives in that way to believe that we're truly only material. Maybe one or two people do, but you know avowed atheist materialists go to the funeral of their best mate and say, oh, he's in a better place now. Like when I go to the Mm. funeral where they say, he's rotten in the dirt, I'll be like, good, you mean it. Like you actually believe what you've been saying all this time, right? But most of the time... Richard Dawkins is our guest next week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There seems to be this shift though away from atheism into this new age religion, spirituality. Uh, People say that they're believing in God more than ever, but it's just all different versions of God. I suppose that's been around for a long time with the core religions they believe in, some higher being. Some even call them God, him, God. Mm. Slightly different versions of God, maybe. Mm. But it seems like now people throw the word God around, but there's no, there's nothing really to it other than, I think there's something else out there. Don't really know what it is, but I believe in God. Yeah. Um, but when questioned about it, there's no substance behind it. What's your, what's your take on that? Do you, why do you think it's shifted past... I would love to know everyone's thoughts on this, even you, Dust. It seems like it's gone past psychology and it's gone back into some sort of spiritual world. But Sorry, I teach with that guy. <laughs> so oh, he's just walking past. He's like, hey, man. I'm loving the point you were making, though, but it was just very distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose I'd like to explore that because I'm finding there's this weird spiritual world out there that people are more than comfortable to move into. Which is weird. I don't remember that growing up as a teenager. Mm. Like, you know, I've, I've been a Christian probably, truly, since 16, 17. Probably most when we were just having chats on the couch and mm. I was going through some pretty uh, interesting rough times. Mm. But, you know, I remember growing up, I'd never even say I was a Christian, you know. Like, you don't even do that. You're just safer to believe in nothing. But now it seems to be like, maybe it's just I'm getting older, but everyone seems to be okay with saying that they're okay with believing in something. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd want to explore that But also there's this weird sort of strain of That nothing is objective Everything is subjective I, I saw this thing on uh, Facebook the other day Where they were talking about No, no um, I think it was about emotions No, no emotion is objectively good or bad um, And there was about a billion comments on there Like yeah, you know, that's it You know, it's all just about ownership And owning the traits of humanity, good and bad, but then doesn't that presuppose that ownership is inherently good? <laughs> so, like, no, it's this, not really. It's this weird subjective. Between, I mean, own, I wouldn't call ownership an emotion. Is it an example of doing something? They were saying so. nothing is good or bad. Nothing is good and bad. There's nothing inherently good or bad. Oh, ha- I, I think that's though. taken out of context, though. Didn't Alan Watts say something like that as well? Yeah, Alan Watts. Yeah, in the wisdom of insecurity, he yeah. talked Shakespeare, about Shakespeare said it before Alan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The shake dog had. Although it, it, it wasn't, wasn't shake shake dog. <laughs> it wasn't Shakespeare. It was Ham- I mean, Hamlet said, you know, there's yeah, nothing good or bad. It wasn't Shakespeare. It was Hamlet. Well, that's right. <laughs> no, look, honestly, if you write if you wrote a story, Matt, if yeah. you wrote a story and you and you and everyone started quoting you with all the things that your characters said wouldn't you yeah. be annoyed like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you write stoogy characters yeah. one of the one of the best examples of that is one of the most commonly <laughs> like quoted ones is um 
uh, to your own self be true. Be true to yourself. And they're like, Shh, William Shakespeare. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, he wrote that, sure. But he wrote it in the, in the mouth of Polonius, an idiot, right? Like it's at the end of a whole list of stupid advice. So to say that Shakespeare is like, be true to yourself. Oh, man, what a load of rubbish. Just read the play and you'll realise <laughs> that that's not true. Uh, in terms of the context of ownership, yeah, I think there's a difference between a verb and an emotion, so to speak. Like I think that the context of that thread would have been there's no such thing as sadness being a negative thing. Sadness is sadness. Yeah, but I, I would argue that there, there would be... How is there such thing as a negative or positive emotion? Lust. What's, what's, what's lust? A human, a human experience. Greed. What's greed? A human experience? It's an two, emotion. Two of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep listing them. You know, yeah. we could... Like, if, if I, would, I would say that it would be easy to argue that... I wouldn't also call greed an emotion. Yes, it is. It comes from within. Mm, it's an interesting one. It's a question of definitions. Just got to yeah, find yeah. our terms. We'll yeah, we'll good. do your thingy. <laughs> this was always diff. Anytime we have a conversation with diff, he's like, define your terms. Mate, <laughs> honestly, our world would be such a better place if people define their terms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Q&A would be a better show. It would be a watchable show if people oh, define yeah, their terms, yeah, yeah. honestly. Steve, can I go to the bathroom? Steve, define your terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I just, I, I find the, uh, all I'm trying to say is I find this subjective Nothing means anything world frustrating. It's something that is annoying to me. I don't know why. I suppose because I'm on the path of trying to find some absolute truth out <laughs> I there. I thought you were about to say because I'm on the gins this afternoon. That's no. what I thought you were about to say. <laughs> that too. <laughs> no, I think it's frustrating because I, th- I think when people are really honest with themselves, they know it's not, it's not really true. Like no one is a pure relativist. No one. No one is like everything, everything in the world is relative. And these are people that wouldn't bother putting their seatbelt on, right? Like if you're really a relativist, don't put your seatbelt on. Don't set an alarm, right? If everything's really relative, mm. if, everything, if there is no real objective truth, stop living as though there is. People, people basically have a line. So you're saying a relativist would just get up and then whatever happens is what happens. Well, so what's the point of making any plan when, yeah. when nothing is true anyway, yep. right? Gotcha. Yep. We operate in the world as if things are true. Yes. And therefore, as a pr- I mean, that by itself is a pretty good indication that things probably are, right? If, even if, if you're going to take just a most basic possible approach. So anyone that's like, oh, look, you know, there is no truth... There's only one question you need to ask them. You say, is that true? Right? And then the conversation's done at that point, right? Like whatever they come up with at that point is self-refuting. So I don't think, I don't think anyone genuinely lives like that. I think it's, the, it's something that people put into place when they don't want to live according to a certain standard. That's all. It's a very, a form very... Of morality? Whatever it is. You just put it... You just say, this is my truth when it's something that you don't want to be challenged on. But this goes right back to the start of the conversation. Why, why are people not having community? Because of that. Because they say, this is my truth. Like, mm. I own it. Don't you come into my sphere. Don't you challenge my truth. Which pushes people farther and further into silos. Look, um, C.S. Lewis's vision of hell in The Great Divorce is just people moving further and further away from each other. Which is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, the interesting thing is Jean-Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. Um, in a really kind of cynical, kind of funny approach. Look, honestly, hell is just you. Just you locked in the prison of your own mind forever. I think that's a far more realistic vision of hell. Hmm. And you're, you're Christian yeah. by, by um, your faith. 
And so are you a, are you a heaven and hell believer? Are you a creationist Christian? How does that all sit with you? So all of the big contentious issues of Christianity, where do I sit on them? Mm. Um, Let's go from number 98 first. We'll work our way down. Um, Was Jesus the son of God? <laughs> I, I think anyone that calls himself a Christian can't do so without believing in the Bible. I think that's kind of crazy. The Bible is where we get, our, get the understanding of religion from. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not, I don't only believe that the Bible is the best place to get that from. I'm a huge believer in history and tradition. So I think that tradition and the people that have gone before us have a lot to tell us. And I think that, you know, contemporary society ignores history to its own peril and ignores the wisdom of the far more intelligent people that lived before us to their peril. Um, But that being said, that means that for a bunch of these questions, yeah, I go to the Bible and I go to tradition for Mm. my answers. But I grew up in a Christian family and going to a Christian school. I was not a Christian because Christianity looked to me like people just doing what they were told unquestioningly. And it looked stupid. It looked like these guys have got no answers at all. They're, in fact, they're terrified of asking questions. They don't want to be challenged. They don't have any good answers. They don't know what's going on at all. They're just like, oh, faith, and I'll pray and sing my songs, and that'll Love. get me through, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it seemed profoundly illogical. And it wasn't until... I came across a, a couple of people uh, um, who came and spoke at a conference that I was filming, that I was producing the, the, the film for, um, that I was like, wow, Christians can be intelligent. That, and that's okay. Not only is it okay, but Christianity has answers, like real logical answers, not just the Bible says so, but actual real answers. Um, so for me, I mean, like what what the Bible or what an, an understanding of the Bible needs to marry up with is reality, is the nature of the world that we live in. Um, so I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of with and that. And you're saying it doesn't or that people just don't marry up the two? I think that people, people read the Bible they want to read, you know. So I'm, I'm on the line of, uh, there's an old, old tradition in the church that says God wrote two books, the Bible and nature. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if I've got a question about either... I can cross-reference, but there's people who are what's called sola scriptura, which is a which is an approach which basically says it's a Bible alone that tells us what we need to know. I just think that gets us into trouble, primarily because the, it's never the Bible alone. Like mm-hmm. you've never read a book, you've only ever read your understanding of that book, mm-hmm. and there's over thirty-three different, thirty-three thousand different Christian denominations in the world, and they're all got the same book. It goes to show you, man, it's easy to misunderstand this thing or to derive different understandings from this thing, which is why I think that coupling an understanding of history, tradition, the Bible and nature together is a more cohesive way to understand the world that we live in. And context, I think. Absolutely. Historical context. Understanding what was going on. So, you know, you get to the question of, am I a creationist? I'm not a literal seven-day creationist, no, because I believe in context mm. and because I believe in science. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how... And the truth is there's some real, authentic Christian scientists that have great answers for how the Earth is 7,500 years old and where the dinosaurs went. That's, they've got it. For me, I feel like you've got to jump through... You've got to do a little bit of sort of scientific gymnastics to get that to marry with the Bible... But the bigger thing for me is there's nothing lost. I don't lose anything by saying that the world is billions of years old because the only question that matters is who made it. That's all that matters. And your answer? God. And your thoughts behind that? 
Okay, so you've got time and space, material. Okay, either, either it's eternal. Clink our glasses here before we begin this one. <laughs> I appreciate this. All right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this podcast? We're just having I don't know a, what it's turned apologetics into. time. But yeah, yeah. You've, you've got, the, you've got um, time and space, and either it's eternal or it's started. There are your two options. Uh, explain more. Okay, so either it has an eternal past and it was never created, so it never had a starting gotcha. point, or gotcha. it started at a gotcha. certain gotcha. point gotcha. in time, yep. right? We could go into specifics, but if you believe me when I say that an eternal past is a little bit of a paradox, eternity, if, if there is an eternal past, the present never exists. I know that sounds kind of weird, but um, we can, we can talk more about you. it if that works. Yeah. So, so therefore, kind of logic and also science is saying that there's a starting point. So if there's a beginning point of time and space, where did it all come from? Yes. The laws of thermodynamics say you cannot create something out of nothing. You cannot create energy, cannot create more energy. Like there's just this constants in all of this, right? Yes. So the only thing that can create time and space is something outside of time and space. Uh-huh. Whatever that thing is, and I'm not making any claim about a particular religion, but whatever the thing that created time and space was, we'll call it God. Got it. For me, that's the most logical reason that I don't care how old the earth is or the universe is, something bigger than material existence exists because mm-hmm. it needed to to create it. Nice. I'll back it. Makes sense? <laughs> yeah, I'll back it. It's just, that's just yeah. logic for me. Yeah. Like, honestly, if I'm beholden to one thing above all else, it's logic. Logos. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, like the, the logic... When we, when we live in a world where 2 plus 2 is 5, then there are no rules anymore, right? This is people got to read some books. Like, you read, read 1984. The end of 1984 is all about this question, 2 plus 2 is 5. Yes. Right? Um, if we live in that world, then all bets are off, right? But no one, no one believes that. In fact, it's a mental impossibility. Just try it right now. Try to imagine 2 plus 2 equaling 5. Mm-hmm. The only way you can do it is by doing a linguistic trick in which 5 actually means 4. Like, that's the only way you can do it. It's impossible to do. So, logic is kind of like this. <laughs> or this, a four-sided triangle. Yeah, exactly. Or a square circle, yeah. right? Like, logic is kind of like this deep, deep... It's like a language of the universe, and it's the only thing that I think when you go around and talk to people, it's the only it's it's probably the only thing that consistently everyone will agree with you is that you can't create a square circle. So it's immensely powerful. Mm. Like how powerful? If there's one statement that you can say to everyone in the world and they will all agree with you, it's logic. Like yeah. it's that. Like That's... The Lion King is an incredible movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, logic. Get yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. It's pure logic. Well, I assume we're talking about the animated one. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to think about yeah. the new one. I wish Disney would stop remaking all of their classics, but whatever. Damn capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining exactly. all the good yeah, stuff. Getting back to that. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to perk Matt back up there. Yeah. I know. You I'm listening. CC and Dry had like gotten to him. But I'm this, listening. That's the thing. I don't have anything to contribute. Like, I'm, I'm just a... That's why I'm in the line. <laughs> Go ahead, dude. I can talk uh, about the Lion King if you want. <laughs> <laughs> like the Lion King, logic is is beautiful. Like yeah. it's just it's it it's is a great it's equalizer. the language of reality. That's well said. It's a great yeah, equalizer. It is. And all of the relativists aren't really until they get rid of logic. Like like it's so core, it's fundamental. And what it does is it speaks to something outside of psychology. It's not the human mind that says 2 plus 2 is 4. It's not the human mind that says you can't make a square circle. It's actually speaking to something more deep. It's speaking to a metaphysical truth. This is the way that the universe is. 
and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. For some people, that's terrifying because for some people, what they want the world to be is, is control. Like they want to control it. And when you tell them, no, there's nothing you can do about it, it's like, is that a challenge? Getting yeah. back to the Lion King. Let line. me give you the middle <laughs> finger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's I like, am screw God. Screw you, logic, right? Yeah. But for other people, it's like, oh, finally there's something, something solid that I can anchor myself on and I can start building something that actually is real. I can stop floating around in this confusing, chaotic world and I can actually start saying, hey, here's a solid platform. Let's start from here and let's start talking. Let's actually start building. Let's start making progress. Nice. Mm. That goes right back to like the Genesis statement. Like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That was like logos. You know, that was the, that's, you want, that's where it came from sort of thing, right? We can edit it. I'm about to correct Steve and I feel bad about it. No, t- correct me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of John, right? In the New Testament. Yeah, good. Yeah, so it's because it starts within the beginning, right? So in the beginning um, is the start of Genesis, but in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. That's from John. Um, and yeah, and that word there, like you say, is logos, right? Yeah. And this word logos is, it's, it's huge. It's logic, it's meaning, it's the ability to communicate meaning. It's, just, it's really rich with meaning. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, and this gets back to Descartes, strangely enough. And just before Descartes, so you've got Descartes 1637, you go back to sort of the 1400s and you've got a guy called William of Ockham and before him, Peter Abelard. And these guys... Is this of Ockham's razor? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's right. This is the guy that, that had Ockham's razor. Yeah. One of the things that William of Ockham kind of kick-started into society, into modernity, into, I should say, into philosophy, and then it trickles down, right? Everyone's like, ah, oh, what's the point of philosophy, man? Philosophy determines reality for society these days. We don't realise it, but we're living in the shadow of things that philosophers... We're living in Nietzsche's mm. shadow right now. Like, we're living a world shaped by Nietzsche, whether or not we like it or not, whether we know it or not, which is why we should... Try to know Probably it. Probably know it. Yeah. Absolutely, right? But so William Do you Malcolm think that's Pitt, where it all stemmed from? The God is dead statement and... No, no, I think it was before that. I actually think it was William of Ockham and Peter Abelard. Okay. Like, you know, this is like my thesis, right? So it could be wrong and I'm not... Uh, this will be... Cha- anyone, anyone who's done research on this will be able to say, oh, well, what about this? Because it's the thing about philosophy. There's so many angles on it, right? Mm. But, um, but they started this thing called nominalism. And nominalism is the idea that there are no objective transcendent realities or what Plato called the forms. So something like 2 plus 2 is 4, even though Peter Abelard and William Ockham wouldn't have denied that, they kind of, they've set in, they set in motion a process that got us to the point of being able to deny even something like that. Hmm. So they set in motion this world that we live in now. So you've got the beginning of the denial of the metaphysical reality this is, all, this is all a guy called Peter Kreeft. It's just amazing, right? He's got a lecture series on Plato. He talks about this. Mm. And this, getting back to your really earlier question, this is what I taught my juniors. So my juniors, yeah, you could get podcasts, some of my, get some of my juniors on and they'd be able to talk. Some of them are just brilliant, right? Um, but yeah, this is, it starts with this denial that there are these objective metaphysical forms, uh, realities out there in the world, and that actually what gives meaning to things and gives uh, identity and purpose to things is us speaking them. So that's why it's called nominalism. It comes from the word nomen, meaning name. So us, so we see trees and we call them trees, and that's what makes them trees. 
There is no tree. Uh, there's no kind of objective idea about what a tree is. It's just that we see a bunch of things that look fairly similar, we call them tree. So that's nominalism, and that started a process which then Descartes came in, and Descartes was involved in that metaphysical denial as well because he was saying, essentially, I can doubt everything. I can even doubt the whole world around me. The only thing I can't doubt is my mind. Mm. So we became just a mind living in this disembodied world. We can, we can doubt all. We can doubt physical reality. And then the second process of doubts was the psychological doubt, the doubt of whether or not we can really know and understand anything. So the first one was an external denial. I deny the world around me. The second one was an internal denial. I deny that I can know anything. And that's guys like David Hume and John Locke. And then the third denial was this linguistic denial. I deny my ability to be able to communicate anything effectively to people. So that's I deny my ability to even deny. That's, well, that's right. All of them is, uh, are self-refuting, yes. really. Yeah. But yeah, particularly the linguistic denial has happened in the last, last kind of 150 years, 100 yeah, years. Yeah, wow. And these are people... So Roland Barthes wrote a book. This is great, right? Roland Barthes, brilliant mind. This is the thing. I don't want to demean these people. They are brilliant, far more intelligent than me, right? Roland Barthes wrote this book, uh, The Death of the Author. It's by Roland Barthes, by the way, right? So he wrote it, and he's the author, but he's writing a book called Death of the Author. And really what he's saying is that when you read anything, you're not reading what the author wrote, you're just reading your interpretation of it, which is like what we talked about with the Bible before. Sure. But he took that to mean that real communication is impossible. So even right now, hmm. the words that I'm speaking... There's three of you in here and however many are listening on the podcast, you're all hearing different things. You're passing it through your own subjective lens of understanding. You're internalizing it. You're turning it into something. You're bringing with it all of your own context and your own history and your own understanding of the world. And it's turning into something different from my intentions. Now, that's absolutely true. But to go to the next stage and say, therefore, communication is impossible, that's self-destructive. Like that's that's poison, right? Like that that stops any meaning. So what we've had for the last five hundred years is basically the erosion and the destruction of meaning. And now we live in a world that is devoid of meaning. And we wonder why people are lonely and people are depressed and anxious. And and you think that this is you always hear this throughout history. You could go back hundred years, two hundred years, three hundred years you typically your parents would say the same things. Kids these days are just different to when it was my time. You know, there's mm. always things. Mm. In, or the world's never been scarier. Mm -hmm. Or we've never lived in a more grand time. Mm. That is always true no matter what mm. decade you're in. Do you think things like this? Yeah, absolutely. Would Do you think 600, 1,000 years ago they would have said we've never lived in a more meaningless time? Yeah, look... Um, the tr the truth is, if you if you read history, then that's that's true. Yes. You know, so, so does it make the statement? What does that say about the statement that you just made? Like, is it is it a useful statement? It sounds fascinating, intriguing. I'm sitting here just loving it, but at the same time, I've got a question. Won't people always say that? Yeah, um, they might, but it's not meaningless for me. Mm. I mean, I'm just trying to help people that feel meaningless, and I'm trying to help them to see that there's meaning. Mm. You know, so there's always been people that have struggled with meaning, absolutely. Mm. I'm not one of them and I want to live in a world where less people feel that the world is meaningless. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I listened to a, a guy the other day and he said, I, I've brought it up a couple of times now, beer chats, Darcy, but like 
I think people see two very different worlds based on whether they believe the world and the current state of humanity is on the path to becoming better or on the path to becoming worse. Mm. I think that's an interesting one to think about. Diff, do you believe that the current state of humanity and, and the life is on the path of becoming better or becoming worse? It's a, it's, it's a question extremely pertinent to where I am right now. I think as soon as you have kids, the question matters mm. a lot. When you're a teacher, your whole reason for existence is built upon the answer to that question. And to be honest, you probably heard in what I've said that I'm fairly cynical about where we're headed. Mm. But if I can, I'll come back to it. But if I can answer, kind of touch on what Dar said as well at the same time, everyone should read uh, Augustine's City of God. Right? It's written around 350 AD. There are whole chapters and pages and pages of this massive book that you could take right now and read. And it would absolutely read like right now. Yep. Like this is the this is he's so the city of God is ostensibly about a bunch of things, but one of them is about the fall of Rome. He's writing about how Rome fell, and it, has it happened? He's right. He's writing historically, or he's yeah. Well, he it. was kind of in it, yeah. But oh, he's he writing in, historically. Historically, yeah, he's so saying, it had yeah, already happened, and he's yeah. basically saying things like you know Rome fell within before it fell without. It was eaten out by an internal cancer before it was you know just the 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 hollow walls were destroyed by the Visigoths who came in. Gotcha. You know, um, when but, was that? How many? How much BC sort of thing? No, no, AD, and Rome fell over a period of time. So the city okay. of Rome was sacked by the Visigoths around sort of in, in the 4th century, but um, Rome, the Roman Empire kind of eroded from around 140 AD to around 400. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, oh, there's historians listening just, play, you know, just hating <laughs> me for my inaccuracy here, but I'm just giving you <laughs> No, but you say it with conviction. Yeah, no, that's right. Like, hmm, oh, interesting. Yeah, that yeah. must be right, yeah. 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 Uh, look, the... the it, it's generally that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, that's the thing. Like you read it and, and people, that's been happening forever. It's been happening forever. So it gives me, while I'm cynical, I have hope. Mm. Because it happened 2,000 years ago. Mm. People were being cynical about the future. Two, there's, a, uh, there's an amazing line at the beginning um, of the City of God where Augustine basically says, if people weren't so hell-bent on having their own understanding affirmed, Hmm. if people didn't care so much about being right, then it wouldn't take me such a long time to prove them wrong. But because this mental (laughs) infirmity is so so profound right now in this current day, I've got to write this huge book, right? And it's like, this is is 2,000 years ago, and I feel like you just take this out and I just give it to all of my students right now and say, look at this, right? Hmm. And so it's like... But uh, I think it's nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Yeah. But it's just that's the cycle of society. So while I'm cynical, I'm hopeful mm. because out of the ashes, good things can come. Yeah, and I okay. don't want this society to burn. Look, and I'm not like let's go back to the Middle Ages. Like I love this world that we live in. I my my problem is that people are passive receivers of a bunch of technology, and they don't think about how it's impacting them, mm. how it's changing them, and how the things that we think make us happy make us unhappy and the things that we own end up owning us. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. 
I think that's not mine. That's from Fight Club. But yeah, but that's really good. <laughs> I think it's really good though. Like when you said, I never thought of it in that way. But when you have children, that type of question really matters because you then hopefully the best thing you can do as a parent, I believe, is die before your children. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so then you start yeah. to think about life beyond you even experiencing reality and you really start to go, gee, I hope it's going to be good for them and their kids and their mm. kids and their kids. Mm. And so I'm going to steal Peterson's thing. I kind of act as if it's getting better, but I'm quietly afraid that it's getting worse. Yeah, you got to... Otherwise, I wouldn't do what we'd... I wouldn't have started the... Po- I wouldn't do my job. I wouldn't right. try and help Why people. I, it was just, yeah. it's Man, just, if it's getting better... It's depraved. I'll, I'll just live my cheeky life and have a good time, right? The fact that... No, but it, I do the opposite. I think if, if I truly believe it's just p- perpetually getting worse... Oh, and that you... you I wouldn't that, do that anything. I wouldn't it. do anything. Yeah. I'd just be like, all right, boys... Let's have the best time we possibly can until we burn it all out. But well, I don't do, think people live like that. I really that, don't. Does that? I think it sounds like the key to it then is whether you believe you can change it or not. Mm. So if it was if it was only getting worse, it'd be like bottoms up, boys. Let's have the time of our lives, mm. and then just you know, off with ourselves tomorrow. That'll mm. do. Mm. If it's already getting better, it's like bottoms up, boys. It's all getting better anyway. Mm. Might as well Absolutely. just enjoy the ride. So it's a matter. It's not necessarily a matter. Of, I love that question of whether it's getting worse or getting better but i think a more key question then would be do you believe your ability to change it is becoming more or less mm. or just do you believe you can mm. and i have to believe i can well i think the question really is do you believe humans can be redeemed i go on yeah absolutely Steve. that's the go question on. that's the go real on. question because and and like deep so like if you if you don't believe humans can be redeemed there's no point there'd be zero for me anyway define redeemed just so people uh if i if i want to define my terms i'm not doing really well here but to be made whole to experience joy contentment ultimately if you're going for a spiritual aspect experience eternal life if if that's that's the redemption path that i believe in people could be made whole how about how about to live a life that's bringing other people life and not death? Yeah, to experience life. That, yeah. that would be that would be a good way. And everything around you is blooming, flourishing as life. Well. Absolutely. Um, and I just don't think I want to live in a world if if you don't believe that that can be a reality for people. Mm-hmm. That just sounds like a really sick, twisted, distorted place. And then if you add God on top of it. Mm. Why the heck would he make a place like that? That sounds that sounds like hell. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so It sounds like the movie Now You See Me. Oh jeez. <laughs> Don't get this guy started on the movie Now You See Me. Why the hell it doesn't sound anything like the movie. <laughs> Where nothing no. makes sense, nothing adds up, and there is no point and in it. And then anything. there's Morgan Freeman playing God. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Oh my goodness. <laughs> No, we're not bringing now you see me into it. Yes. Look, <laughs> what you? Oh, I, sorry, were you going to say something, man? I can't. I he was going to say something that. about now you see me. Oh, no, no, I still <laughs> haven't watched it. Great oh, movie. No, it's, it's Great my, movie. It's, Five it's stars. Top of my to do list ever since Darcy's mentioned it. It yeah. should not be anywhere it, near. No, the top of this your movie list. has to be seen by everyone just so they know to never see it again. That movie <laughs> is called The Room, and that movie is worth seeing a few times. <laughs> <time. laughs> that, People haven't seen The Room. Check that. That one new one, out. the new version of The Room, is great. Oh yeah, the disaster. The re- yeah, 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 really yeah. good, That's really cool. good film. So good. Books better. I don't know the, where we were before. But <laughs> well, anyway. look, I, the interesting thing what you say about 
you actually said this world where people can't be redeemed would be hell. Yeah. It, it, it raises a really interesting question about what is hell. You know, I think that people have really... You know, Israel Folau has brought hell into the headlines in a way that I think is unfortunate because it's got people thinking about hell in a certain way. I'm really big on human capacity to create an environment which is either hellish or heavenly. Um, hmm. And I actually think that we bring hell to earth a lot. Hmm. I think that everyone has the capacity to either bring heaven down or to bring hell up. And what you're talking about, this kind of, this world where people have, where it's impossible for people to be redeemed, absolutely that would bring hell because it would bring death. Mm. If, the, if the definition of, of redemption is people's ability to bring life to themselves and to other people, then the opposite of that would be hell, would mm. be bringing death to people. People have far more... Farm, this is weird. Like, I, I really feel like life is lived in tension. And when you ignore those tensions, you make mistakes. Mm. You lean too far in one direction. Because people have way more control and way less control than they actually realize. Mm. Far more control over their lives than they realize and far less control. And usually we make all these errors when we're grappling for control we don't have and ignoring the control we do have. Mm. We've got control to be a good person. Like we have personal autonomy to make good decisions, to love our spouses, to love our kids, to be present with them, to be good employees, to, to, to want the best for other people. We've got that control. We don't have control over what Donald Trump does or whether or not something gets, you know, legalized, the, the tax goes, the tax benefits or whatever, tax oh, cuts go through. I yes. think the best one you know, is... Whether or not the RBA drops it. We don't have control over those things. Or nature. Can, I think yeah. it's the most beautiful uh, one to... Absolutely. It's a great equalizer. Yeah, biology. When a natural, yeah. even, but yeah. Even natural disaster. Cancer, yeah. but even yeah. like a, a natural disaster happens. Mm. I think it brings everyone to a great plateau. Of, mm. There's so much that we cannot control. When you see someone who is absolutely at peace with the things that they can't control but it's just really dominating in a positive way the things that they can control this is a that's a person who is living their life a in a really positive combination way. absolutely here's, here's the quote from some old dude which you'll probably probably be able to quote but i wrote it down after watching dark oh yeah, yeah give dark. me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference yeah, i think that's francis of assisi yeah absolutely yeah, say, say it again. It's so good. I it was also Im- 50 Cent. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> standing on the shoulders a- of giants. Curtis is back. <laughs> I don't know that 50 Cent ever, Fiddy, ever read Francis of Assisi, but maybe it's some good in, teacher told him It's in one of his songs. Time. It's is in it really? his song, uh, Gotta Make It to Heaven. Yeah, that's well, he should listen to St. Francis if he wants to. <laughs> so it, it's this. I'll read a little slob Fiddy. because I literally was like, i got to write that down because that's something to Absolutely. meditate on. Give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. I was like, damn, son. Like, I was Absolutely. just, I was like, that's a Absolutely. good thing to remind yourself and of. You know, it's interesting. Francis of Assisi used to talk about nature. Francis is the patron saint of nature, of animals, right? Mm. And he used to, they said he used to just go out into the field and talk to the birds and stuff. Yeah. He's a cool guy, man. And he gets swooped by magpies. He's like, no, nah, no, <laughs> <laughs> they Can't didn't control swoop this. I cannot control this. Give me the serenity. <laughs> Give me the serenity Lord. to ask oh, stuff this on me. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, what do you reckon, Maddie? About what? Oh, you were about to say something. 
This I, is the I best one. He was chipping I've in with in. 50 cents. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I've <laughs> sat in on no, so many you had, of these no, conversations. you had thoughts. You had thoughts. I've sat in on so many of these conversations at the pub, like watching you guys talk <sighs> and or just listening, and I know... I have nothing I could contribute. I believe there's, you do. There there's was a, like a different a, level. I want, you guys know, I want you to know, Matt, though, I feel exactly the same thing. Every time I have these type of conversations, I always leave feeling more deflated than I started. Because <laughs> okay. yeah. I go... Damn it, Darcy. Because I'm just like, I don't know anything still. Yeah. But it's just... This is how I get him to pay for the bill at the end of the night. But it's the he fun... He feels less than me. I think the fun part... psychologist, man. Yeah. 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 He's a persuasive man, yeah. this smife. I am reading your tonal yeah. persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. But I find it so much fun just to engage in anyway and make mistakes and just do it. Oh, okay. So just make a few mistakes, man. Fiddy would okay. have told you to. Well, I'm surprised. Get rich you or die trying, well, man. That, that's <laughs> funny because I've <laughs> I've, like known, I've known that quote for like 15 I believe years. That was oh, really? I'm listening to I 50 that Cent. Moby. That you said. <laughs> like, Mo- like, Mo- I believe it was Moby who said, "Get rich or die trying." No, Moby <laughs> said he was dating Natalie Portman like a yeah, month he had ago. To apologize for that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, he was like, "Don't that to never really happened." He didn't actually apologize though. Classic Moby. No, but he canceled it too. He said he was dating her. No, he wrote it in his autobiography that apparently he was dating her and. She's like, mm. She was like, nah, didn't happen. Really? And then yeah. he's like, kind of apologised, but yeah. not really. Right. As if, man. Natalie Portman, she's a 10. She's not dating Moby. And wasn't yeah. she like 16 <laughs> at the time? Well. Hey. Oh, yeah, I think she was proper young. Yeah, yeah. that's right. If it's anything to go by, we... Uh we were um, we're in Germany. The, us, we're doing the documentary. Yeah, we met this crazy lady. Do you remember that crazy lady? Yep. Anyway, we we're with yep. uh, Fab. Oh, with we we're with yeah. Faber, and yep. we yep. played this game called "It's Not Remy Barua." You remember? Oh no, you went there. Anyway, yeah, we I got know, to. But you did tell me about the yeah, game. Yeah, great game. Anyway, we're playing with this group of Germans, Shout and out she to was Remy. Yeah, yeah, yep. she was there. And um, if this is anything to go by, that Moby couldn't possibly because she's a 10. <laughs> this is true, confirmed by this crazy German lady. Because she went to Faber and she goes, you look like Moby, you dirty swine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, Whoa. this chick was so crazy, Diff. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, she was, yeah, she I love that like Germans Clayton. would be like... You'll never get married with the name of a Clayton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just, yeah. Are you poor? <laughs> She, oh, was, no. she was psycho. And then she brought us drinks. guest on the podcast. Yes. Oh, so no. She, she was terrified. She was terrified. It was pouring rain. She jumped on her little old bicycle and she rode off into the storm. Uh, I, I, she was no, a, we need to find her. No, no, That's she, a character. She, she bought us these shots. Demonic. No. She was demonic. Yeah, she, she, bought was us scary. These, she bought us these shots and we're like, oh, thank you. And it turned out to be just like... Tomato sauce. Tomato <laughs> sauce with Tabasco and some tequila. Devil uh, juice. <laughs> you can't drink this. You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, I've... All right, ho. Okay, I'll drink it. Sorry. Sorry. Classic German crazy one. So, yeah, that's the logic. Moby couldn't. No tens for Moby. No tens. (laughs) Because he's a spine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a pig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's inherently bad. Yes. So, Matty, the thoughts you were having. Yeah, I'd love... I don't... I can't remember it at this oh, no, stage. It's gone through like, oh, oh, what, you know what I remember? Mm-hmm. We parked Satan and we never got back to him. That is true. That's what I remember. Let's get back to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the pursuit of my blood. man. What do you reckon? Because I, I, I know I, about Satan. I, I, uh, I actually haven't. I, I, I have experience of. Uh, <laughs> I haven't experienced Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Lab. I'm content with my relationship with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are. <laughs> uh, but, you know, everyone talks about God. You can research the concept of God. You can, 
you know, it's such a well-known and well-spoken about and more comfortable topic probably to talk about than, well, I've researched Satan, mm. you know. Um, and It's like people that, who say they've read Mein Kampf. Yeah, sure, sure, so sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like people that... I will, have, but... Oh, well, yeah. no, I didn't read the whole thing. But yeah. I, just, like, I just felt like when I was 16, I was like, I've got to read that you gotta thing. got to read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people who have seen Now You See Me too. Like, they put themselves through it the second time. You mean people that deserve to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the concept of Satan you said before was it got really intriguing really quickly. Then we changed topic, but it was like, actually, believe it or not, Satan rings true through a lot of society. Yeah, Satan tells us a lot about ourselves. Yeah, that that was the line. That, so I'll probably say the true? literary Satan rather yeah, than yeah, the of actual course. Satan. Yeah, I'm hugely familiar with the actual like the Satan. character of yeah literary Satan. That's right. So and once <laughs> and so this depends on what literature you're reading, right? Obviously, so, the satanic um, ones mainly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm real well versed in this. Look, in with within history, there's there's two major pieces of literature that deal with Satan, and that's uh, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy and um, Milton's Paradise Lost. I've played uh, the video game, so I know yeah, a bit good. about so this. So you know a little bit about that because yep. you played. Um, what was it called? Would have Dante's been called Inferno. Inferno. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it of like course the game? They don't get the purgatory in heaven. That's in that well, game. they they kind of tease they're going to make a sequel, and it just didn't is it like the movie Dante's Peak or whatever it's called? No, no that's about that's a volcano. About a volcano. <laughs> Same but thing. But it is about it is like the movie <laughs> Seven, right? So I yeah. watched Seven a long, <laughs> Dude, long time ago. Dude, you can't look. Darcy just gave me the weirdest look. If you're bringing up now, you see me one and two. You can't talk about. I can Pierce drop. Brosnan. Is it Pierce Brosnan yeah, Pierce in Dante's Brosnan. Peak? Holy yep. crap. That's the most that. obscure 90s volcano movie. <laughs> there was literally one called Volcano and you're choosing that one. <laughs> yep. I just love like, Diff was like, ironically, no. <laughs> no. It's oh, look, no. The amount of times in my relationship with Steve where I've had to say, strangely enough, no, you're wrong. <laughs> 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 it's kind of normal now. I'm kind of like, I haven't done my job if that hasn't come out yet. So I'm quite so, okay with it. <laughs> So what do you want to know about Satan in either of those two books or in any uh, others? I don't uh, know. Or where, not, where did he not appear in Dante's Peak? <laughs> right, so he's, like, he's like spouting out of the volcano and saying, suckers. Got you. So how does he represent himself in our modern society and how does it, how does it show through in modern society other than just like humans do bad things sometimes? Yeah, sure. So or, we, is, or is that all it is? That's actually a surprisingly good question. Yeah. Oh, man, it's, it's beautiful. Like... A truth is beautiful regardless of who it's about, and truth about Satan is still beautiful truth, right? Um, so, which is interesting because a lot of people are like, let's not talk about Satan, particularly a lot, a lot of Christians will be like, oh, we don't want to talk about Satan, we want to talk about good stuff, right? But mm. understanding the other side, understanding what the nature of sin is, is actually really insightful and inst- instructing for people. Um, Dante's Inferno has a really interesting... Uh, a conversation about freedom, about the nature of freedom. So the story of Dante's Inferno is that Dante is writing the story about he finds himself uh, on the outer limits of hell and Virgil, the poet, the Roman poet, meets him there and takes him all the way down to through the levels of hell. And as he's going through the levels of hell, he's talking about this is so-and-so and he's getting punished for this. And the interesting thing is the punishment always fits the crime, right? So the thing that the per- person is getting punished for has some kind of metaphorical or literal connection to what it is that they uh, to to the way that they're getting punished. So listen, I mean, it's not a nice example and tr- trigger warning um, for anyone who's out there listening, but uh, it's it's probably the best example, even though it's not nice. Is 
um, within Catholicism in the 1400s, which is when Dante was writing, 14 or 1300s, um, people who commit suicide went to hell, right? So the, the best example of this, you get punished with what it is that you did, was that when Dante and Virgil get down to this particular forest, it's called the, 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 the woods or the forest of the harpies, um, they're walking through and um, uh, Dante breaks off a branch off one of the trees. There's all these trees here and they don't have any leaves on them. And the, and the tree all of a sudden cries out and says, why are you breaking me? What are you doing? And Dante realises that this tree is actually a person. And the person explains that he killed himself, that he commits suicide on earth. And so his punishment is that he doesn't get a body because he rejected his body on earth and hmm. so he doesn't get a body in hell. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, and in fact, on the day where everyone gets their bodies, so the day of resurrection that's talked about in the Bible that different people believe different things about, everyone else in hell is going to get their body back, but the suicides, they, they, their body will be hung on the branch of, of their tree Jesus so dark. that they will always look at it but never be able to be in it because of the nature of their sin. It's, make, it's really dark. It's, it's so it's, dark. It's pretty brutal. But it's a good, it's probably the best example of the way that Dante talks about, I think the lesson is sin is its own punishment. Mm. So the things that we do hurt us. Yeah, and this is, I think this is one of the most lost things when, when people start talking about God and his rules and sin. God's rules aren't to stop us from having a good time. They're to stop us from hurting ourselves. Sin is always its own punishment. You don't need any other punishment. Man, you're going to indulge your lust while you're married? You will be punished. There is a natural repercussion of that. There doesn't need to be a hell. You will, you will invite hell into your life by doing that. Hell is coming for you. God doesn't need to send you to hell. Hmm. I personally don't believe that he does, right? I believe that you've chosen it. <laughs> you've chosen that, right? So getting back to Satan, they go all the way down through all these levels. Dante, so when was this written? 1400s? Yeah, yeah. 1400-something. I don't like getting my dates wrong, but I'm pretty sketchy on that one. Um, <laughs> Somewhere in the last 5,000 years. <laughs> um, but, you know, so Dante and, and Virgil get all the way down the bottom, and it's really worth a read. It is, it's so... So, you know, Cardinal John Henry Newman calls uh, the classics of literature the autobiography of mankind. If you want to understand yourself, read a book four, 500 years old. Read a book 2,000 years old. That's, that's what's so insightful about it. It tells us so much about ourselves. It's absolutely worth reading. Dante and Virgil get all the way down the bottom into this frozen river, the frozen river Coquitas, and they're walking through it. And there's all these people frozen in the ice. There's a great one. There's a great story of a guy who's eating another guy's head perpetually for all eternity. Um, I won't go into the details, but it makes sense. He, they're walking along. Um, you can see I like the dark stuff, right? It's kind of messed up, but anyway... He, um, they're walking along. I just think it's in, like, I'm just thinking from an author's perspective. Yeah. It's incredibly brave of someone to write from that place. Mm. Can you imagine mm. how, I would love to know the time of writing that, how conflicted the author would have Dude. been in their brain of going, do I really, yeah. do I really share this? Do I really put this Particularly out there? Particularly when you realize that he's putting real people really alive at his time, people in power in hell. He's putting popes down there. 
Oh, so he's writing oh. about real-time people. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the typing thing. He wasn't typing. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it when you say writing, you do the typing thing. That's my idea of writing. Absolutely, yeah. But he's literally, he, yeah, he is. He's writing about real people. He's saying, this person's in hell. This person's in hell. Hey, everyone remember this guy who died? He's totally Did in he hell. Did he get killed for this? No. He was a cool guy. That's surprising. He's got a hell of a nose on him. Check out a picture of uh, Dante Alighieri. That's it, really surprising that he didn't get killed. The weird thing this. about Dante is it's his first name, right? Like most of the time we refer to these old guys by their last name. Dante's his first name. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even have a writer's name to like no. hide behind. No, that's right. He's like, although maybe that's the reason. He's like, first name Dante. Oh, there's plenty of them around. Yeah, yeah. Are you Dante? Yes. I don't oh. think you could publish it anonymously back in the day, like like on the internet. But Despite Dante Alighieri being an incredible name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, How absolutely. good is that name? He was born to write this book, yeah, right? Yeah. If so they get down in this frozen river and they're walking along this frozen river down right in the bottom. They're through the city of Dis. They're right in the bottom of hell. And then they get there to this opening and there's Satan, huge, like this massive behemoth. He's got three faces. He's got a face facing out to the front. He's got a face to the left and a face to the right. And in each one of these mouths, he's chewing a different person. This person never dies. They're staying alive eternally, chewed for all time. So the people right down the bottom in the frozen river, these are the people who have been um, found guilty of uh, betrayal. And, and so the, the, the most extreme punishment getting chewed for all eternity by Satan himself is... Um, <coughs> is res- brutal. It's so, so dark. It's is so reserved dark. for the three biggest betrayals. So on one side, you've got Cassius and the other Brutus. These are the people that betrayed Julius Caesar. And in the front, of course, you've got Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, getting chewed forever for all eternity. Brutus and Cassius, this is the level of detail. Brutus and Cassius have got their heads hanging out because their betrayal is wor- is not as bad as as Judas's, and Judas's head is inside the mouth of Satan, getting chewed for all eternity. <clears throat> so the whole, this is like a cool image. Like, that's great. That's, that's awesome. not in the video game, by the way. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that frozen lake is where you fight Satan. Yeah, at the end. you fight Satan. You fight that's Satan. great. Yeah. But, Here's uh, the thing, though. Satan is fighting himself. So if Satan is wanting to escape. He's actually frozen in the river. So only his waist up is out of the river and his whole bottom, so from his waist down, is all frozen into the river and he'll never escape there. The reason he'll never escape is because he's trying to. So he's got these huge, big bat-like wings and he's flapping these wings, trying to get out. Hmm. And the wind from him flapping the wings is keeping the the water frozen. Hmm. And so he's frozen for all eternity, kept captive by his desire for freedom. That is... Why people should read Dante's Inferno. (laughs) Jesus, poetic. It's unbelievable. Poetic, awful, vulgar and deep and Mm. and just interesting and brutal. The the pursuit of freedom keeps people enslaved. This is the way that Satan tells us about ourselves. Hmm. Absolutely. So many of the things that keep us enslaved, so many of the things that create hell in our life is the obsession with freedom. Go back to loneliness. What is the reason that people are lonely? The obsession with freedom. Go because on. friendship takes... A, is, is, you've got to pay a price. Hmm. There's a cost Sacrifice. to friendship. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. You know, you get invited. Hey, see, I'm going out tomorrow night. It's or really we're, we're playing games tomorrow. You want to come along? 
Um, luckily, Facebook has an interested, or it used to be a maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's mm-hmm. just interested now. It's like no commitment. Oh, commitment is the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. You do not want to commit these days, right? And so Facebook has made it easier. Once again, recognizing people don't want to commit. They've made it easier for people not to commit. Yeah, I'd like to go to that, but I also want to see what other options come up. I could have a better alternative. Every time you say yes, you're saying no to everything else, right? So people don't say yes to anything. Then the night comes around, they're sitting in their trackies watching Dark on Netflix. They have nothing better to do, but at this point in time, nah, they're not going out. That friendship is not getting cultivated. That community is not getting built. Hmm. The obsession with freedom has actually just eroded that friendship. And in that sense, the obsession with freedom is enslaving. Weird. Life is full of these paradoxes. It is. But that's why we should read about Satan. Because mm. honestly, <clears throat> I know it sounds weird, but I literally think of Satan flapping his wings sometimes mm. and I make a different decision based upon mm. it. Mm. And it's always the better decision. It's always the better decision. It's such a good like visual image mm-hmm. to think about too. Yeah, I can see it. I can see him munching on those people and <laughs> Judas is just copping the esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> He's right down in there, deep. <laughs> right down there, Judas. <laughs> And, you know, look, the same thing goes for Satan in in Paradise Lost, right? So Paradise Lost, you guys have to tell me when to stop, right? I could talk about this stuff for ages. I'm I'm conscious of the time. You've completely successfully won the longest podcast (laughs) ever. (laughs) People are not going to listen to this the whole way. No, I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, yeah, you will be. We just clocked two hours. Holy crap. Serious? So good. It hasn't felt like that. It feels like about an hour ten, I would say. It feels like. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you want to, so Paradise Lost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that okay? Keep it, keep so it Paradise Lost, I mean, Paradise oh, wow. Lost, the, the kind of obsession with Matt's freedom Matt's bladder thing. is about to yeah. fully explode. <laughs> Fair oh. enough. The, the obsession with freedom continues, right? Or do we want to all take a break? Okay, we're back for our uh, slight intermission. Hope you enjoyed the popcorn and the choc top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you would. It, that's uh, just this guy's a slave to popcorn. I think it's. Steve. I can't believe people eat popcorn, but Steve buys it. Like, yeah, no, popcorn religiously. Terrible. I I don't get. I do no no. Oh, I do hold not, on. No, Steve, I'm right there with you. You grab me. You grab me a bag of popcorn. That triple butter popcorn. Mm. Oh my! Buttery oh. biscuit in the mouth. It's not a. Th- <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Well, you're taking it to a level now. Where I just like how anything to do with movies, Matt. You're just like. You're wrong. No, no, no. That's not how you enjoy a movie. That's not how to watch movies. That's not the movie you watch. You get crazy You've got to be in an uncomfortable chair. I hope that through this podcast, I will get more confident to join in on these other conversations. But whenever someone drops a film, that's the one thing I'm confident enough to speak up now. And it's the one thing I'm egotistical enough to just drop those two. No, There's no ego in participating in a conversation, Matt. I actually think that, like, honestly, like, that that's a huge thing. I actually think that that's a reason that people stay reserved is because we kind of second-guess ourselves. But I read in Peterson's book, Always assume that uh, I can't remember which other which people know more than you. Other people know more than you. That's fine. It doesn't mean that you. But you, you know the you best way for you yourself to know participation. More. Mm. Your your knowing more comes from engaging, not from passivity. Okay. Right. Like I actually think that. Let's imagine that people might learn something from this conversation. Your engagement in it helps you to internalize it and make it real for you far mm. more than any podcast listener. Like I love well, that. Podcasts. That is true. The <clears throat> when you're engaged in it, that's when you're actually uh, thinking more. 
like, most of, yeah. most of the, there'll be half an hour in there that I would not remember at all just because I was listening. Yeah, but because, the, because it's me just rabbiting on. The coolest on part it. about <laughs> it, I think the biggest takeaway I've had, Diff, in this whole thing is that the, the, the cost is always equal to or worth the reward. Mm. So the cost of even being vulnerable and even being maybe a little bit stupid in a conversation, I feel that all the time. You guys don't realize this, but you guys, you giving me the label of simps, has unlocked a superpower in me yeah. where it's given me oh, permission. It. <laughs> it's given me permission to do silly things yeah. and then I get to explore this whole new world, which is what I love. It's true. Like the, for people that don't know, and I don't know if you talked about it in the last episode or, or the previous episode where you talked uh, to the person who was in D&D. Did you say that you were into D&D? Did yeah, yeah. I told so you owned chick- up. I said so I was now chick- Tawarma knows that Chicken Baristos, yeah. And yes. I, I talked about Neverwinter. I talked about Neverwinter. I said I was the guy who couldn't care less about... Because we, we were talking about this. So she Story. Story matters. So she plays a character <laughs> called uh, Orlando Bloom. That's great. Really good. <laughs> that's great. Uh, who's ve- I wish that my characters had names that meant something. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah. I love that you were saying that's great as he wasn't even finished saying Bloom. No, he just like, like, <laughs> Diff just loves D&D and the character oh, name. So, so, she was, so she's incredibly intelligent. This is Kirsten for anyone who's listened to the episode. Kirsten, uh, what was it, two episodes ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, she's incredibly intelligent, but her character was negative two intelligence, full oh, brute force. Man. I don't know how she does it. So, so what we're talking about is gamification and yeah. the, the, the philosophy we threw out there was essentially that how you play games is how you play life. And she's like, mm, kind of, uh, which is good. But she's, I just posed the question, I love the character Chica Baristo because it allows me an opportunity to be the guy who just goes, yeah, who cares what everyone mm. thinks? I'm just mm. going anyway. Absolutely. Which is something I actually quietly wish I could do more of in yeah. real life yeah. where I don't think about other people's opinions. Like I'm yeah. not thinking, oh, I wonder how Diff's going to get upset that we're going to cut to the new cut scene and never went to Nards. <laughs> no, I don't give a shit because Chicka B's going to run. <laughs> and and yes, that's I did all... get upset because I didn't know why we were all of a sudden talking to the lizard people. Because <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in the <laughs> cave, dude. I'm out of the cave and in the cave. Oh, right. You yeah. got out of the cave to get in. Yeah, yeah. That's the purest form of video games anyway. Story, in video games, story doesn't matter. Yeah. No. Story is worthless. Oh, the only games that matter have story. No, because... RPGs are the only type of game. Everything else is just pushing buttons. Well, yeah, RPG is fine when you get to have your input and say what you want. Mm. But then as soon as it hits a cutscene, it's... Sure, taking away your freedom. Yeah, so like Dragon Age is okay because that's like huge amount of freedom in Dragon Age. I, I guess even, but I don't know. I get bored. <laughs> even when I when I played through The Witcher Three. Oh, sure, fair by enough. By the end of that, yeah. I was just skipping it. Yeah, but don't like, you see the hypocrisy? This is what I think is no, interesting you know, about this, games. You know, this is why. Yeah, uh, that's weird because you're he's in the a movies, storyteller. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. the whole thing is about narrative. I, I, and then I, you see, get the I game see a very difference between like experiencing a movie and experiencing a game. If yeah. you experience a game, it's about gameplay. The greatest game ever is Minecraft. Because oh. <laughs> there's no you story. You are an you enigma do, wrapped in a puzzle. <laughs> do whatever you want. That makes. No. You, well, yeah, you can do whatever you want by clicking a box. Like that's. I the, would that's much rather play Grand Theft Auto. You can pretty much do whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> no, I'm all about story, man. Like story, and you know, I actually, I, strangely enough, there's a philosophical reason. Like, I actually think that story is so deeply ingrained, uh, enmeshed in who we are. Yeah. Right, like mm. hu- humans. You want to know what the difference between humans and animals are? Yeah, rationality and ability to talk and all that sort of stuff. No, it's the under- <laughs> understanding of story. Ain't no cow can produce a podcast, dog. Imagine four cows. If they were sitting, sitting like around. this <laughs> with whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be into that. That'd be, that'd be a good listen. Okay, for about five minutes. <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> yeah. be done. Anyway, go on. But no, look, like st- st- this is my beef with the latest Star Wars movie. Okay, that they did not understand story. Yeah, story 
Uh, man, unfortunately, Das is losing it about the cows. <laughs> <laughs> Four cows sitting around. The pursuit. We need milk. a. We, we need, uh, <laughs> you gotta chew the cud, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. no, man, no. <laughs> Who's, who's debating the chewing of cards? Who's like, no, nah, you know what? I'm the, I'm not, I'm not into the cards. I'm like, oh, that's your hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did it. Hell you did it yourself, dog. <laughs> Let those stomachs do the work. It's fine. <laughs> oh, this, this is an editing mess for you, man. No, 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 no. It's fine. This is the first one that you've drunk through. Is that? Yes. All oh, right. You haven't even yeah. drunk that much. No, no, absolutely. No. This it's isn't a result of that. good. Mm. Talk to me about Star Wars. S- story, right? So, yeah, I, I really. The understanding of story, once again, a story requires limitations, right? It, it mm. requires the acceptance of the limitation of where something has come from, where it is now and where it's going. And uh, story craft is obviously a huge part of filmmaking and, and stuff like that, right? And of games. Um, That's but, what I study the most of. Yeah, like, absolutely. I study way more about storytelling than I do about cam- like. Yeah, camera so maybe techniques. you've read books like The Hero's Journey and stuff like that, right? Uh, it's so, on my to-do list. Yeah, I've read other similar stuff. So yeah, or Save the Cat, like a whole bunch. Save the Cat. Save the great. Cat. Yeah. Yep. So so these 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 <laughs> books that are about helping, they're actually tapping into the psychology of humanity that requires story. And for mm. me, this is just another thing that points back to a reality bigger than us that we're participating in a story, we're characters in a story mm. that we're not even the main character in the story but that the, we're part of a much bigger story we're just a cut so much scene more meaning just we're, a cut scene we're, no, we're not just a cut scene because mm. um, we have autonomy in that cut scene right and that's why it matters some so people much. don't believe that yeah if you're going to be some sort of biological determinist then there's not much uh, me telling stop you talking. anything it's yeah, got yeah. nothing to do with anything anyway yeah. so they can but I, I just find stop some people oh, they listen <laughs> i've had people that literally believe that though that they have no control it just Whatever happens is happen. Like they're just literally. Some people are fully convinced that they're puppets in this crazy mm. show, mm. and they have no control over their life whatsoever. Yeah, I wonder why people say it. I mean, people might say it because they get philosophical to a point, Less and then they realize. Yeah, well, that's I think the other alternative. Mm. Either they've realized that's interesting because that they sense. always say it with this tone of being cynical and yeah. just there, yeah, just sapping life out of things. You know, mm. it's pretty depressing. People choose unhappiness a lot. Lot. Like it's weird. Why do you think I do that? What a fantastic observation. Talk to me about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, <laughs> just finish this point, yeah, and no, then you can go on to all this. That right two and a half hour podcast. I'm going to get 15 minutes to Matt. <laughs> that was that was great. That was just like great story, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the room, everyone, watch it. Um, so the the second Star Wars movie in the last lot. Right? You're talking about Episode Eight. Episode Eight. Yeah. Basically. The whole thing was predicated upon destroying the past. I mean, it was even lines that Kylo Ren said, right? We've got to do away with the past. I really like the future. that element of it. Yeah, Ju- yeah. Well, well, just because I saw it as them wanting to get away from uh, a previous history of films and set up a new direction that they could take the series in. Yeah, I, uh, and you know what? To be left-leaning and make lots of money. Well, they're yeah. very... They're very well, they've already, re- they've already retconned it. Episodes 9 is going to throw away every single That's eight. right. Throw on a That's few right. rocks in. So yeah. they, they're very welcome... <laughs> To do that, they mm. can do that. Obviously, they can do whatever they want. I'm not sure that halfway through the last trilogy of three <laughs> trilogies is the time to say, you know what, forget the past. Like, you've got yep. one job. 
finish this thing off. Yeah. It's 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 like the end of Game of Thrones, right? But they did it the opposite way. They said, yeah. let's forget about story. Let's just finish this thing off. Everyone dies in really unsatisfying ways. Who cares, right? Yeah. Oh, have you seen that quote uh, that... Oh, which one was it? Like D.B. Weiss? Yeah. One of the showrunners, he yeah. said, themes are for eighth grade book reports. Oh, good grief. Yeah. That Holy crap. Do he doesn't think? believe in themes? That's a direct okay, if quote. If you don't believe in said. themes, you don't believe in story. And this whole this really comes back to this is it's all connected, right? Honestly, the amount of things that are connected, it's 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 That's what I love about it's everywhere, things. right? Yeah, the things, <laughs> things are connected. <laughs> things are great because they're connected. But that but that's the thing. I was like See, the, you used it. <laughs> it's a good word. You totally put me off track now. I forgot what I was saying. Things what, are connected. What, the rejection of theme mm. is the rejection of meaning. When you live in a world that mm. has been robbed of meaning, mm. story doesn't matter anymore. You're not, you're not coming from somewhere, going somewhere else. You're just here in this point right now and the thing you do today doesn't impact tomorrow and isn't shaped by yesterday. Mm. So the, the, the loss of meaning in the world, I think, is, is almost um, put on the screen in Star Wars Episode Eight, Interesting. It's like, because there's whole episodes, there's whole parts of that movie that don't contribute anything to the story. Well, technically, Why the frig did they go to that planet with the rich people if yeah. it was for any other reason than to say, rich people are bad, down with capitalism, and we shouldn't abuse horses. Holy Coming crap, man. Like, yeah, if I was going to watch <laughs> go to a movie where I wanted to watch some politics, I'd actually go and just listen to some politics, right? Mm. I don't need that from a movie that actually is built upon story. Like mm. this is a series built upon the the promotion and the continuation of story. To that's, say that's the right before the end, the film who cares? As, a, as, the, as a whole, is that all the characters end in the same point that they started in. Mm. Like There's you no, could exactly. almost lift the entire movie out and apart from a couple of deaths... Which is why would. that's exactly what they're going to do. Like, yeah. like JJ, J, he's come back and he's like... Turns out I can still do whatever I want because nothing changed in that movie because Ryan Johnson doesn't understand characters, doesn't understand story, probably doesn't believe that there's meaning in the world. But I probably shouldn't say this movies. on a public podcast. Okay. okay. I've got a... I've got a <laughs> what has he made? Like, honestly, I'd love to Looper. think good things about him. He made Looper? He made Holy Looper. crap, brilliant movie. All that right. was literally the movie he made right before Star Wars. Okay, but you know what's interesting about Looper? Yeah, this is great. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Looper's not it, that it good. It suffers. It's no, Looper's cool, but pretty it suffers. Good. It suffers yeah. from the same problem. There's a whole element of Looper that goes nowhere, that has never explained, that doesn't have well, any connection the point. to if the you, story. I remember watching it, but if you said, "What was the storyline of Looper?" I can't tell you. Guy goes exactly. back in, in time exactly. to kill himself, right? Yeah, but and then he pops up and sh- little kid. Dead. That's it. Little kid with crazy with psychic powers. abilities. Yeah. What's that got to do with anything? It That's classic Ryan Johnson, man. Yeah. I'm all about red herrings. There's no meaning in the world. <laughs> okay, so yeah, here's, a, here's a somewhat way that I can link. Even though, I'm sorry, Ryan Johnson. You're probably not a bad guy. Even though to get really specific, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to be very upset in episode nine when they retcon it, is I loved the uh, the part about race parents, how they just were nobody. Absolutely. That I'm with you good. because it's like it's too contrived. Oh, it turns out your parents is, you know, this Luke super or important you know, person like, and you, yeah. It's no. so much cooler to see the character come from nothing. That's okay. Especially if we're getting rid of midichlorians. It doesn't yeah. need to be biological that you have force powers. You're just a person. That's so, okay. I don't oh, mind that. Yeah. It's just like Snoke who? who I mean, oh, holy crap. Don't set up for a bunch of stuff and then disappoint everyone. You don't understand a trilogy. You got one <laughs> job, man. Make everyone keen for the next one. Why do the, you think these series have sucked at finishing? I'll give you an example. 
That's a good question. Uh, actually, yeah. actually, yeah. That's actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. thank on, you, Darcy. On. That's a great <laughs> Bring question. Bringing it back I guess on I track. Yeah. Hang on. There's some real value so here for, for example, our listeners. The greatest. This is probably the second. Probably the third greatest band ever formed. Led Zeppelin. They died. Okay, give me one and two. Uh, the Beatles and Pink Floyd. Okay, all um, right. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks, I came up with them myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm responsible for <laughs> yeah. this. Great answer, man. Uh, so they ended when John Bonham, the drummer, uh, you know, uh, suffocated on his own vomit and died. You know, that was like very tragic. But they were like, look, they tried to continue on for like a little bit, but they were like, have. they were like, look, let's just stop. All right, mm-hmm. we we they pretty much ended at their at one at of their, their peak. peaks. They yeah. were really good. Their reunion concert was good. If you watch that, I I actually actually haven't watched it in its entirety. Old mate's eighty five and has a twenty five year old girlfriend, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> on your no, where they where they played with John Bonham's son. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just not the same. But well, it's nowhere near. Oh, <laughs> when it John comes Bonham to Led Zeppelin, it's yeah. It's, He's got a tattoo on yeah, his arm. Yeah, it's. A whole I used to. I used yeah, to as well, Darcy. Did you used to have a this one covered John Darth Bonham. Vader? Just oh, for those that can't John see Bonham? the of oh, the circles. I feel like yeah, I have to be the guy that explains to our audience. Used to be on his arm. Now Darth Vader lives on his arm. Hold on, let me see that tattoo. You got Darth Vader there. Yeah, it goes Legend. all around. Tell you what, best moment of that whole um, Rogue One, Darth Vader at the end. I'm like, mm. oh, thank God he turned up and he killed people. That's nah. so cool. Mm. I, I liked <laughs> Rogue One. Um, you are making a great point, and I've got to go to the bar. And I got to. Follow, <laughs> and I, <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Actually, no, no, no. We no, we can keep talking while. Well, I'll, Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll ask my question yeah. before you go into your better. You thing. go ahead. Is name a trilogy where the third part is actually good? Toy Story three. Nah. Boring. What do you mean? Nah. Toy, well, okay. Toy, what, you, Toy Story three. You're telling me you didn't Darcy. have a lump in, the, in your throat and a tear in your eye when no. they almost die at the end. No, because I know they're not going to die. Excuse me, Darcy. Hey. Just want to let you know that, just want to think about the question that you asked Matt. Just think about it. What topic was it about? Movies. <laughs> yes. And what was his answer? <laughs> no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. So I just want to let you know the pattern here as the protagonist oh. of us. If the pattern here is anything that's about movies, the answer will be no, you're oh, wrong. So don't bother answering. Yeah, don't. don't okay. I was, uh, my observation is that Toy Story 3 is fine, but if you break it down to its like core parts, it is just Toy Story 2 repackaged. Mm. It's the same film beat for beat. I don't actually know that many trilogies, to be honest. I'm wrecking my brain. Actually, here. sorry, I the, I have one answer for you. What? The Return of the King. Yeah, I was going to say that's Lotter. That's that's probably the only trilogy that ends really well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm yeah, trying it's to good. Think here. I don't. I really can't think of that many trilogies. There's yeah. lots, man. Do you want to chuck some out that could be good? Yeah, yeah. That could be good. So, well, like Star Wars is almost good, but it. I think Return of the Jedi is. The weakest of the original trilogy. Yeah, sure. fair. Um, the like the Matrix goes to shit by the uh, end. Yeah, was um, it Matrix Reloaded? Was this no Revisited or something? No, no. Like that? Well, the Matrix Reloaded is the second one, and then Matrix Revolutions. Matrix Revolutions <laughs> Revisited. <laughs> hey, so um, we're just going to revisit this. Yeah, see where it goes. This is the Matrix Ultimatum. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the Born. There you go. They're the Borns. Borns are good. Yeah, but that goes further than three. There's five of them now. Has there, sure. been, has there ever been like a has there ever been like a Bond trilogy where there's been the same sort of Bond and they've linked? 
I've always um, found Mission Mo- Impossible. All the, the Bond films are pretty much standalone until Daniel Daniel Craig, and now they've kind of continued. He's a sexy Bond. Onwards. All right, let's dive um, back in. You got some editing. I've do you got have a feeling for you? Eh? Do you? Can you answer that question, Dave? What was the question? If like, um, name one trilogy where the final part is good. Toy Story, but there. unfortunately they've ruined it. They've ruined it with this fourth one. I haven't seen it, but I just didn't want it to happen. It's I didn't great, want Toy Story three to happen. No, I mean, Toy Story it was, was my answer. It was, it's I not want Toy Story you two. Didn't want okay, no, no, no. I said the same thing to Darcy thirty seconds ago, and now I'll have to edit. <laughs> but it's um, Toy Story three. If you break it down like beat for beat, is just Toy Story two repackaged. I don't mind repackaging if they do it right, and it gives me the feels. But you guys are the same person. You said exactly <laughs> the same thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Did no, you take your headphones I'm, with I'm you? Are these, like, are these like Beats <laughs> by Dre, Bluetooth, um, wireless taking, thing? taking the helm back yeah, here. Let's, All right, yeah, let's please, do it. We've got to have a real podcast. Okay, yeah. so... Toy Story is not a real podcast. <laughs> Led Zeppelin ended at their peak. Okay. Matt, just hit the stop recording. No one's listening to the Led Zeppelin podcast. But yeah, I will. But they. But that was accidental. That wasn't... I believe if they had it kept going, it would have been. I've seen Black Sabbath, uh, Ozzy Osbourne twice. Awesome. And he needs to stop. Like, he needs to put an end to it. <laughs> but you've what? seen him twice. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you'd pay for him. a third ticket. I, but I would probably pay just to be in the same room as him and look at the guy and just be like, that's the guy. Like, I saw Robert Plant, lead singer of Led Zeppelin, not with Led Zeppelin, but just to be in the same room as him and go, wow, you're actually right there. And my, it's, it's my eyeballs seeing you. You know? Look, to be honest, that, that's, that's that's kind of the main reason I see any live music at all. Yeah, it's like, like, wow, you're actually there. Because it's just cool. Off, it's yeah, like, yeah. holy crap, that's James Hetfield. And there's Hetfield. actually only a like, handful wow. of yeah, musicians yeah, yeah. and artists that sound better James live. James Hetfield. Sorry, oh, yeah, I like Metallica. I'm a child of the Do 80s. You remember Kill me. When we were in the... Jeez, a crucifixion that I just went under just because I like Metallica. Look, I know they're a trashy metal band, but seriously, greatest metal band of all time. The conversation that we had in the taxi in Melbourne where... I, we were like uh, I think I said Yeah I liked, I liked Metallica And then I turned 16 <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful That, that is so true That is so yeah. true Every time I, I really listen like to them again I'm like What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm 32 years old <laughs> I can't listen to this But so, then I turn it up There's our first example The other example Which I personally really like This is controversial But the ending of The Sopranos I thought was really good I personally loved it those are two particular endings I can think of that I liked. However, there seems to be this common thing of like, well, if the last series was good, well, we may as well make the next one, right? Mm. Like, we'd be foolish not to. Yeah, here's, cap- here's that's a, capitalism having a go. Here's there, a right? theory, though. Here's a theory. Is it our discontent with it ending it at all? You know, I actually you think don't, it's something you, deeper than You even don't get that. many people go, oh, I hated season two, but I love three and four and five. You know, you don't. that's not a common uh, thing. It's, I the more Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad slowed down in the middle. And I, it's not that I wasn't a fan of it. I think the whole show is amazing. But Breaking Bad season three yep. was a the, bit more of a drag The for Mexican me. hitmen that yeah. kind of do nothing. They're, yeah, they're but, climbing through yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, like but uh, this is a long time. Turtle, uh, head on the turtle, that was cool. But, but then you see it in this realm of like, well, but it ended well. So then you just see it as a whole. Yeah. But what we hate is when it gets to the end and the ending's bad. Yeah. So sometimes they yeah, should have probably they probably should have just done thirty seasons no, of it. You know Eventually, what? Dexter, Dexter was awful. Do you know what yeah. it says though? I think it says something else. I think we care about endings, and that's weird. Yeah. Mm. Why do we? Why do we care so much about spoilers? Like uh, endings. I know spoilers is a thing for you, but generally speaking, like it's a funny thing that we care so much about the end of things. 
And I actually mm. think that's that's that speaks deep. Do you down think that points to the truth? Are. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, so the the word end. There's an an old uh, word, Greek word that kind of means the same thing. It talks about purpose, which is telos, and telos is this thing that's kind of in everything. We talk about something's teleology. We're talking about its end purpose. What is the reason that it was created for? Telomeres at the end of DNA or at the end of DNA strands. Yeah, there you go. Right. They're, they're the end. Yeah, yeah. So it's the end, right? So your telos is your end and your end is your purpose. They're the same thing. Hmm. So ends matter to us in a big way because we care a lot about purpose. Hmm. And a TV show or a movie or whatever, regardless of what it tries to be, is still because we're humans operating in this human sphere and understanding stories, the end of it is its purpose. And Dexter was doomed to fail. How can that end? What is the purpose of this story that's going to satisfy the human longings for purpose? Lost was doomed to fail, <laughs> primarily because they didn't have a purpose. Like They were just like, let's yeah. just, just make this cool thing and we'll set up a bunch of stuff. I actually didn't mind the end of Lost, primarily because... It ended at the end of the day. It ended quick enough, fast, you know, fast enough, um, and and I was like, "There's only we really one way it can quickly. end. It it only can end this certain way, you know." Spoiler alert: Purgatory, you know, or, or or like they're all dead, you know, whatever. And and I'm like, "That's and that's okay, but it's got to end in some kind of way that speaks to purpose rather than just random." Mm. I love the 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 wire is a series for me that's got five seasons just knock out one after the other F- season five got a bit weird but the end of it was cool don't say anything. and the last season the last the last scene the last shot in the wire is just cool he just said spoilers don't matter yeah. so like he no 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 <laughs> I think that they do but I think it's because we care about ends we Shit. care about purposes. <laughs> Yeah, that's from the why. Good. I was like giving some context Thank you. to why. I was just putting a little cookie. I just put a little cookie out there for those that have actually watched it. Steve, that's just broke. Everyone. That would be no. why the ending of the Sopranos is so good. It's because it doesn't like it. Yeah, fini- yeah, don't ruin it. For no, 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 no. I mean, it finishes. I haven't even seen it, but I've of Spoiler course I've seen alert, the ending. Finish. Sure. Are, like you about to, are you about to ruin the no, Sopranos? No, I'm not going to end. It's like ten years. I've got a way old, that we can like, turn this mess into something. Had the chance to watch. No, no, no. But all I was going to say is that. No, no, but but the Sopranos good. It ends the series, but it doesn't end the story. The story, absolutely, and that's the like because the, the story real doesn't ending. end. Yeah. What about the that? Real that story act- doesn't end. That actually yeah. buys. That actually points into your philosophy about human beings actually absolutely. caring about ending, and we are drawn to stories that don't have an end. And speaking of that, I'm going to have to end myself on the podcast, and you guys can go on. No, nah, we'll. I think because we're... I'm about to go chase my pursuit of love because I have a a meeting. <laughs> a film meeting For a to film. get to. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, uh, we got we one question. Got one final question. You, you can, you, you can, okay, you yeah, can yeah, hold time for one I'll question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my answer to this question, though, is going to be big. But At least he knows. Yeah, well, if it's going to go big, Matt, you're welcome to First jump across cool, to our boardroom. Um, so, uh, two things well, before I jump into the. To the uh... I, I want you to ask the where can people find you question. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nowhere. <laughs> Literally, you cannot nowhere. find him. Good luck. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing that was intriguing before I jump into the final question was to tie up that whole mess. I'm just going to call it a mess. Last 30 minutes was the whole, if you, de- if you deny theme, you deny story. And if you deny story, you deny meaning. And before that, we're talking about Satan. Mm. I'm curious about this. Maybe we can talk about this offline. But is that... 
Satan playing out in modern humanity that nothing means anything, or at least there's a facade that nothing means anything. Anyway, that was a thought that I had. I'll give you a really quick answer. Yeah. Satan rejects his telos. He rejects his purpose. Mm. When he rebels against God, he says, the purpose that you gave me is not good enough. I'm making my own. And in so doing, he creates a hell for himself. That's a really nice articulate answer. And I reckon that is... I can talk succinctly if I need to, but... <laughs> Ain't no podcast want <laughs> yeah, no succinct. Exactly. Um, I think they probably do. No, they probably do. But that's a good answer because I think that plays out in humanity. Anyway, here's the question. The real question. The end of the question. You already know what it is because you're yeah. a big time fan of the Pursuit of Love podcast. Yeah. Um, I've practiced this three times today. I'm going to have another crack at it because I've got the wording down right. Just so you know. Okay. So, in your professional field, or if you want to take it broader, you can take it into your life as a whole. What is something that you have come to know and believe to be true that you know a lot of other people simply disagree with? In my field, which is education, it would be, to put it very, very simply, that education is not primarily about getting a job. Hmm. Education is basically spoken about these days about preparing for life. And when people say preparing for life, they say preparing for a job. So it's like skills, skills you need for your job. Gets back to that question. So that's a particular vision of education, which is utilitarian. It's all about the usefulness of this particular thing. So Cardinal John Henry Newman says, um, everything that is useful is not necessarily good, but everything that is good is useful. So I'm far more interested in teaching goodness and what good, what goodness means than I am in interested in teaching people useful things. That speaks to a question about, well, what is goodness? And so this is the second part of my answer. I believe, like St. Augustine believed, that there is a right response to everything. Hmm. I'm not a subjectivist. I do believe we're all subjects and I do believe we all experience the world subjectively, but I believe that there is a right response. He called it auto amoris. It means the ordinate affection. Your thing is about the pursuit of love. The ordinate affection for things is about loving things in the right way. Hmm. Hating the right things, being fearful of the right things, being sad about the right things, loving the right things, pursuing the right things. Not only the right things, but at the right times and in the right amounts. I believe that that exists and I believe that that's what wisdom is, getting that right. Not many people, I think, would go along with that because they would say, ah, it's different for everyone. I don't think it is. We're all humans. We're all created the same way and deep down we all have the same desires. Those desires might manifest themselves in different ways but when we pursue the wrong things in the wrong ways, we make ourselves and other people unhappy. Hmm. Which is why understanding ourselves and understanding the world we live in matters so much. I love it. That was beautiful. Well said. That was really good. Thank you, gentlemen. I had a great afternoon. I'm worried about the editing process. There's no way all of that should make it onto the podcast. Well, here's the best part. All we're going to do is hit the export (laughs) button and then there's an upload button. No way. And we could go diff, Crowther. It's been... Flipping cool to hang out with you, lad. I reckon... Absolute pleasure, man. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. And I really think we should revisit this six months. We don't like just... Let's wait and see what people say because I'm I'm always really nervous about the fact that oh, I think this is really interesting, but um, people don't like getting talked at. So um, if, 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 if people are interested in it... If you think the conversation is interesting, someone else will think it's interesting as yeah. well. I have a sneaky suspicion that this will be a... Uh, 
This will be a good one. So if you've uh, if you've dug it, we always enjoy the feedback, good, bad, and different. So what did you what did you love about it? What did you hate about it? What what did you disagree about? What did you agree with? The more that we can keep the conversations going, I personally think that this type of thing, what we just did for the last two hours, is my idea of heaven. And so uh, if you've listened all the way through, I'm sure you probably agree with that. So love to hear your thoughts. Cheers, Diff. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Thanks, man.